Hello, my lovelies. Welcome back to another episode of Did You Read the Book, a comparative podcast where movie buffs and bookworms come together to talk about stories and their adaptations that we love, hate, or love to hate. I'm your host, Aaron Palmer, and once again, joined by the lovely Mr. Dan. Hello. Yes, Dan the Man. Hello. Welcome back. I'm very happy to be here again. Oh, I am so excited for you to be here. It is always a joy to talk to you, and I cannot wait. And yet again, we are back for more graphic novels. Yes. Love it. Love it. Never change. (laughs) (laughs) I know how to read stories that don't have pictures, I promise. Are you sure? (laughs) I mean, you also write them, so I guess there's some sort of... You've got it in there somewhere. Just seem to keep coming back. My aspiration is to become one of those authors who's written more books than he's read. But anyway. (laughs) Wouldn't that be great? Ooh. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) yes 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 i love it all right well what are we talking about today mr dan Ooh. so today our source material is the famous graphic novel 300 by frank miller from 1998 Ooh, yeah frank miller we haven't touched on frank miller yet which i just realized (laughs) i feel like we've made maybe oblique references to him oh yes twice because he is one of the big comic book guys but this is the first time we're diving into uh dear old frank yes (laughs) because i think we've definitely mentioned like sin city and spirit and stuff like that as styling like in Watchmen and stuff i think we talked about it but yeah this is the first one by frank miller right and with with saying Zack Snyder in particular in the yeah in the yeah Speaking yeah yeah which... I know on the flippity flop side great segue thank you uh, the film is also called Three Hundred it was directed by our lovely Zack Snyder once again in two thousand six yes hurrah <laughs> and it's starring some lovely lovely folks such as Gerard Butler Lena Headey David Wenham Dominic West Michael Fassbender Rodrigo Santoro and many 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 other very deliciously looking gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> oh there are a lot of my um it is a beautiful movie and i got so distracted the first time i saw it for so many reasons <laughs> leather speedo sales went through is it hot in here <laughs> uh oh, <laughs> yeah we'll get into that <laughs> Oh, yeah. I have lots of thoughts about all of the pectoral muscles and thighs and <laughs> yumminess of, and delicious breasticles and stuff. Oh, my God. So many things about that movie that we will get into. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, okay, dear. well. Beef, oh, dear is right, but ha-cha-cha. <laughs> Um, Well, before we get into it, spoiler alert, y'all, we're going to talk about this quite a bit. There's going to be a lot of things that we will reveal as we get through the episode. So if you don't want things spoiled, hit that pause button, read your little baby mini series of the 300 graphic novel, and then go watch a beautifully delicious movie and then come back to us. Otherwise, we're going to jump right in. So Dan, are you pro-source? Or pro adaptation. I've been dying to know your answer on this. <laughs> oh, okay. So I know I give the same answer. Every time. <laughs> this is why I've been dying to hear. I'm like, maybe it'll be different today. <laughs> I I am still pro source, but but with the caveat <laughs> that Ooh, okay. I come at it honestly because I okay. actually saw the movie first. Ooh, samesies. And then I read Mm -hmm. the comic, and I decided Mm -hmm. I like the comic slightly better 
but mm. I do like both of them. I can I consider them. I consider it. I I don't think of it uh, the same way as like when we did the the From Hell episode. Mm-hmm. Oh God, no! <laughs> this is leagues <laughs> ahead of like, that. Yeah, yeah. Spare your if you haven't listened to that one, spare yourself the trouble. Do not watch From Hell. <laughs> Read From Hell. <laughs> I mean, if you want to watch from it. hell and just see a really awesome performance of uh, what, what, who's, what's his face, Ian uh, Holm, then yes, definitely yes, watch yes, yes. that. He is but, very good in that. Oh, but. God, I know. We talked about that. So for those who haven't listened to the From Hell episode, <laughs> go check that out and let us just gush over Ian Holm to you. Uh, but yeah, the <laughs> there's nothing like that comparison. Yeah, uh, this is... How about where where did you wind up on Ooh. the you know that's a great question i've been having a hard time as well um i also saw the film first and then went back and read the Mm. graphic novel and i will say i think i like the film a little bit more to be honest it's a really really close tie though i'm telling you i was having a hard time picking (laughs) um but yeah i'll just i'll do the opposite of you just for you know posterity (laughs) there we go there we go very good uh, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, let's get into it. Could you, Mr. Dan, please give us a synopsis of the graphic novel? All right. <clears throat> oh, I'm so ready for it. You're already off oh, the voice. Oh, man, I'm so ready. <laughs> Never before have so many owed so much to so few. A hundred nations bow their heads to the god-king Xerxes, ruler of the mighty Persian Empire, commander of the greatest army the world has ever known. Now he turns his gaze like a hungry wolf to the fractured city-states of Greece, longing to devour them and add their bones to his hoard. All that stands between the Greek states and the Persian legions is a mere handful, no more than three hundred warriors. Yet these are no ordinary men. They are Spartans, led by the mighty King Leonidas. They are the greatest soldiers in the world. Now, at the crossroads of history, they make their stand for all of Greece. This is the legend of Thermopylae, rendered by master artist Frank Miller. This is the story of 300. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> if that doesn't get people to go read this and watch this, then I don't know what will. <laughs> and let me tell you, that level of intensity, it's, it's through it's the all whole there. story. It's all there. <laughs> like... Heck yeah, it is. Oh my God, that was glorious. Bless you, Dan. Um, I, I don't know if you listened to any of my other episodes, but... You come up all the time, and what a gem you are. Like, all of the friend group we have are like, dance the best. His writing is amazing. His voice is fantastic. You bring such energy, and you, like, really raise the bar on the synopsis game for all of my other guests. So never change. Well, well, thank you, and thank you to everyone else. You're you're all very sweet. uh, Oh, my God. In the Spartan way, let pain make you stronger. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Oh my God, what a great opener. Bless you. Um, okay, so we both saw the film first and then went yes. back to the graphic novel, which is interesting because usually I feel like you have been the one that's been pretty diehard to the graphic novels and then found the, the films and it was kind of hit or miss. Yeah, well, so yeah. so full confession, I was aware of 300 for a long time. Um, when I was a when I was a lad going to the comic, what are we lads? <laughs> I actually remember seeing uh, ads for it 
in mm-hmm. other comic, you know, this is back in the day when people bought physical comic books, right? I and know, people right? still do that, but <laughs> do not quite to the same extent, but yes. Yeah, um, but I remember getting issues of like uh, I think it was Hellboy I was oh, reading at the time, which I love yes, Hellboy. Yes, Hellboy um, is so good. Ugh, but I remember so I, you know, I was reading through a Hellboy comic and I turned to a page and there was just this very stark image of a Corinthian helmet. Ooh, and it had that yeah. Winston Churchill quote of, you know, never before have so many owed so much to so few. Yeah. And it just says 300. And I was oh, like, bitchin'. what is that? Yeah, and then that's I never amazing. Re- <laughs> <And then laughs> we never revisited it. Okay. Yeah, that was amazing. Forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> but that was that was how it was back then. Like that, oh, yeah, you know, totally. Like that was, uh, you know, it's, it's funny to think back on it as far as like how um, people consume media has changed. Mm-hmm. But I totally. remember like. You know, back in the day, I was a comic book fan, and I would go mm-hmm. to comic book stores, Absolutely. and I would buy an issue, and there was actually not necessarily a guarantee that the next issue would be there, you I know, know, in a week right? or a month or whatever. Like, yeah. sometimes, you know, sometimes uh, stuff was delayed, or mm-hmm. the or shop canceled. decided they didn't, yeah, or got canceled, <laughs> yeah. or the shop decided they didn't want to keep ordering such and such a comic, you know. Yeah, um, Totally. So, yeah, there were a ton of, like, weird things I was exposed to, like, once and then disappeared and I've never yep. been able to find again. But Those are kind of the gems, though. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, so 300, the graphic Ooh. novel version. Yes. And it's such a short suite. Like, I forgot how short it is. Like, I read it in, yes. like, half an hour, if that. Yes. I and mean, it is yes. speedy, it is speedy. Direct, I think it's like 90 pages it's, or something yeah like something that, like that all told and a lot but... and it's not all text a lot of it is like beautiful imagery so we're oh. talking maybe like you know 80 or so pages maybe 75 pages of actual text right i was gonna so. say something something that stood out to me immediately is you know like a lot of the comics we've talked about um on the show like something i've you know emphasized is how literary they are how there's mm-hmm. this really wonderful text involved in this one i think it's pure imagery Absolutely. And I think it, it really is uh, like Frank Miller's art at kind of the strongest he's ever been. Like him and, yeah. and his colorists and inkers and all those. I, I yeah. don't have the sort of I staff on I didn't on write hand, down but, their names either, but yeah. <laughs> but, great, but great like, crew. Really. And there's, and there's such a sense of motion oh, in every, yeah. like there's all these, you know, Greek warriors leaping around and these very carefully chosen images i feel like in the story like in particular i remember being very struck the first time i read it that there is a scene where all the spartans have gone to bed and -hmm. they're all kind of cat you know they're it's when they're on their march to thermopylae Mm -hmm. and they're all lying on the ground at night you know asleep and it's drawn in a way that makes it look like they're all dead you know, yeah. <laughs> like like that but it's beautiful their bodies yeah. are kind of and it's like, like oh there's no about. ambiguity in uh where these guys are going in the story yeah yeah it's stunning artwork i yeah. absolutely like frank miller's style i have always been really really into his like who he picks for illustrators and then the stories that he builds and what comes out of that like I'm obsessed with Sin City and I love like yeah. the spirit. Like well, there's a lot him. of be yeah. Oh, just, he draws just for it. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, he's the artist. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, yeah. Just for clarity. absolutely yeah. stunning, stunning work. And he picks good colorists and stuff too. So 
he does just write sometimes, but a lot of his more famous stuff, like Sin City, yeah, his version of Batman. Uh, oh yeah, he Super very famously dark. did Daredevil for a while. Yes. That's actually one of his like earlier things. That's oh. very famous. Is that was all that was all him? Some really really classic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what? I don't know. Like, how, how did you feel about the the comic first time reading it? Like. Yeah, like I said, I was just so surprised of how short it was. And then there, like, we'll kind of get into the comparison, but just seeing how it was rendered into a film from being so short. Because, you know, again, looking back at our other topics around Alan Moore, where it's insanely dense. (laughs) Right. I was going to say, while I was was reading it over, you know, I I was thinking about how, like, every time we've done other things where I'm like, well, (laughs) there's a lot to talk about here. And it's like, I would say there's a lot to talk about here, but the core of the story is the Spartans are really good at fighting. They go to the pass at Thermopylae. They all get killed and save Greece. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Real like, short and sweet. But it's so epic is the thing. Like for something to be so condensed down to 90 pages, but be so stunning and really compelling. And it just really, it, it made me want so much more after that. Mm. And just, but it, it's just, but it ended so well. Like it wasn't like, man, why did they end it there? That was so dumb. But it was like it was perfectly encapsulated. Like I, I loved it. Well, and I, I would even use, I would use the term primal to describe Ooh. it. Like I would, mm-hmm. I would say, like it, absolutely, it is a story that gets down to like a very core essence. Oh yeah, very fast, and that's why I think like it works very well with Frank Miller because this is a very exaggerated, you know, like. Something oh, yeah. Frank Miller has been very open about, and actually Zack Snyder in the adaptation too, is like, this is not the actual history this of the Battle Lucy of Thermopylae. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know, like, do not do not look at this story and think this is how you know this is. It is inspired by a real event. There really were yeah. Greeks and Persians and a big battle in a narrow pass, and mm-hmm. King Leonidas was a real person and all of that stuff. Right, but this is like. It, I would describe it as it's not the story as the Spartans would have told it. It mm-hmm. is the story as the Spartans would have told it in our imagination, right? Like Absolutely. It, like it's it's very much like it is taking everything we imagine about, you know, the Greeks, about their mm-hmm. conflict with the Persians, what we think of like the Spartans as a group, and then taking that. And exaggerating it even further, you know, mm-hmm. like, and that's why the story is so fantastical. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I'm very into, I'm actually not crazy into Greek history. I'm still mm-hmm. into it. I think it's really cool. But like. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. It's not one of those <laughs> topics that I would like, you know. you Let you me give me, you a dissertation on it. <laughs> I mean, you get, you get me going on uh, Warring States era Japan and I'll, I'll, I'll Dude. you know, say, I'll, I'll go crazy. Yeah. Like, if you ever, if you ever want to lecture on the political dynamics of the Ikoiki rebellions, oh my God, yes. Like, you know, like, okay, well, that's um, what we're having right after this episode. Then <laughs> strap in, we're changing um, topics. <laughs> but you know, so so I'm not like that. It's not a topic I'm super into. But of course, like every weird little boy, uh, <laughs> I was really into the Battle of Thermopylae, and yeah. so like I had a lot of opinions on the on the topic, and I think. Initially, I was reluctant to investigate 300 as a story because I didn't really like the idea that it was exaggerated. And having mm-hmm. actually like read it and seen the film, 
I think it's great. Oh, it's badass. <laughs> it's, it's yeah. Ludicrous. It's this is not a historically accurate story, but man, is it really stellar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I would say, like, and I and I think that bleeds through with everything. Oh like, yeah. I think you are not um, like something I really noticed um, reading it through this time. Like, is that there is this running theme of storytelling, right? Mm-hmm. That um, yep. Can't remember Dilidus? his name. Dilidus. Dilidus. Yeah. Ooh, guy D- with the D- eye patch oh Delios. Delios, yes was. yeah Delios. yeah Delios. um that Delios is like the storyteller in the group mm-hmm. and in the comic you know throughout their march to thermopylae he's telling them stories like he tells them the story of leonidas fighting the giant wolf as a kid mm-hmm. and it's you know and i think leonidas even makes a disparaging comment where he's like the wolf wasn't that big or, you know, right like, he's like you're exaggerating again you know, yeah <laughs> right where he says like this story gets bigger every time you tell it and so it's mm-hmm. one of those things where it's like oh perhaps we are supposed to have that in mind absolutely as we are reading this story in mm-hmm. particular given that like delios is also sort of our narrator and yeah. he is literally not there for the end of the battle. Like, I know, right? He, he leaves. A version <laughs> of events. And so it is this um, thing of like, it is not a documentary of actual events. It is supposed mm-hmm. to be a story of these events. And I think mm-hmm. all of the sort of more ludicrous parts of the story actually feed into that. Yeah. Like one totally. thing I was thinking about is, you know, it's kind of funny, but the helmets the Spartans wear, which is this mm-hmm. very iconic image oh um, yeah it's called the corinthian helmet mm-hmm. spartans didn't actually wear those <laughs> <I know. laughs> like, but man like, do they look they, cool <laughs> they actually they actually very famously uh wore a much more abbreviated type of helmet that only went to sort of the brow i mean oh, some okay. of them probably would you know they they equipped themselves so they some of them would have worn corinthian right. style but but they were famous for having worn like a helmet that's basically a skull cap Maybe with um, some feathering, you know, feathering and stuff like that. And then they were particularly famous for the fact that they grew their beards out and wore their hair long. Mm -hmm. And that is sort of the iconic image of what a Spartan looked like to Greeks. But what a Greek warrior looks like to everyone else is pretty much that. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, like even even that detail. (laughs) Also, for the record, the Persian immortals were not Ninja Turtle villains. Oh, no. <laughs> like, like, I love them, but, but like, oh they do look God. like guys they who would do fight look the a Ninja little bit. Turtles. They totally know? look like the bad guys for, like, um, what's the bad guy's name? Shredder? Yeah, Shred- yeah they, look like, they look like Shredder's flunkies. And uh, yet oh again. Oh, my God, like, I'm I never think... going to see those the same way again. <laughs> and I think that's part of the story. It's, it's, it's yeah, not, yeah. You're not supposed to be thinking about them as, like, oh, this is literally what the Persian army looked like. It's this oh, totally. big, exaggerated thing. And the same with, like, for the record, Spartans wore armor. Like, yeah, they, they were not, not just, like, in the buff. Like, you know. <laughs> I tell they you like what. They to depict themselves that way. Yes. You know? um, yeah, so, there, so I think that's, like, a really interesting theme that's present in the comic. And then, mm-hmm. again, like, it is beautiful like i really love stunning coloring and the way that like frank miller kind of frames different um you know there's there's a lot of sense of movement and then also of like moments when things are static like when you see the spartans form their phalanx for the first time like it's this very it's badass they look like a wall you know they look like a human wall right it is beautifully put together 
Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's sort of my initial thoughts on it is obviously very exciting material. <laughs> oh, yeah. Know, very. It's uh, bang up to the very end. Honestly, it's like it starts strong and it ends strong. It's beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. All those things I agree with. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I guess I have a couple of like. I have some, which might bleed a little bit into the movie too, but I have some little historical quibbles, um, which I know uh, I have literally just gone on a rant about how (laughs) we should not see this graphic novel. However, (laughs) (laughs) I have thoughts. (laughs) But yeah, so, so like one thing I'm not crazy about that I do think uh, Frank does a pretty okay job of sort of covering, but like one thing I'm not crazy about is... Uh, we see the Spartans act very dismissive of other Greeks. Like they talk about, mm-hmm. you know, there's the famous, like, I've brought more soldiers than you. Yeah, you know, I'm, the, a oh, the, you know, right? I'm a potter. I'm a blacksmith. Yeah, the Arcadians yeah. are nothing but talented amateurs at best. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. And the whole thing is that in, so we have to remember we're talking about Bronze Age history, like 480 right. BC. They're, yeah. This, these things are. Often the the line between history and legendary is a lot more ambiguous. Blurred as um, heck. Yeah. <laughs> but in yeah. the like in the accounts, some of the accounts that we have from like Herodotus and and guys like that, um, mm-hmm. you know, there's this very famous thing that like, okay, so for one thing, it was not just three hundred Spartans, right? It was. Right. I think the estimates are there were about seven thousand Greeks. Mm-hmm. At the past, it might be four thousand. I can't remember, but but oh, anyways. well over three hundred. <laughs> yeah, well over three hundred. But damn, past. is that dramatic? But, hey. <laughs> and and a very small group compared to the force that was coming. It forward, might as well have been three hundred. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that very famously, you know, the Spartans, the Spartans would said, "We'll stay behind. We'll be the rear guard," and then mm-hmm. they were joined by four hundred Thebans and seven hundred Thespians. Mm-hmm. Which, for the record, is not the term thespian. Actors. Actor. <laughs> yeah. They were so useful interpreting the entire battle. They, they very <laughs> dramatically danced, and, and the Persians were so moved by their renderings yes. that they just came up. No, but but so there's this recorded incident um, that the 700 thespians stood with the 300 Spartans, and that the Spartans actually gave them their cloaks as a mm-hmm. sign okay. of respect that these like citizen soldiers who did not have the same level of training as the Spartans mm-hmm. were still willing to like make the sacrifice. And so they gotcha. went into battle wearing these cool Spartan red cloaks and like it was cool. this big sign yeah. of brotherhood. And that's not present in the story. And in fact, when we see the thespians in the story, they're just getting massacred. <laughs> Yeah, and then they run away with their tails between their legs yeah. too. So it is a very different picture. And yeah. So it's so it's like it's one of those things that I was kind of like, oh, come on, man!" Like, you know? but then Spartans have to look real good. So. Yeah, and and again, and and I think there is like there's little there's little nods here and there. Like Frank Miller was actually very much taken to task, and I think appropriately. But he did offer an interesting defense. But there is a part where. The Spartans dismiss the Athenians as a bunch of boy lovers. Boy lovers. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's interesting. You (laughs) know, and and there is a lot of debate about this topic. Um, Yeah. There are, there are a lot of different historians who have different views on, you know, the exact nature of male, male relationships in Greece, 
Yeah. Um, like some people, you know, make the argument it could only be between an older man and a younger man or a boy. Uh, yeah. Other people say, you know, oh, it was a, actually a lot it was more everybody. Open. Yeah. <laughs> and other people say it was mostly slander, you know, like it was something you would accuse other people of. Regardless, the Spartans were constantly described as boy lovers. <laughs> Guys who had a good time together. <laughs> men loving uh, men. Yeah, like like that that was that was something and that is something to consider whenever we talk about the Spartans, is that as I as far as I am aware, the amount of literature they actually wrote, like their own accountings of themselves, are mm-hmm. pretty limited. We yeah, this a, is accounts of everybody else. Yeah, yeah, we have a lot of material, and just as in the same way that like if you asked, I don't know, uh, someone from Italy to write a really accurate account of what life is like in America, they oh, might yeah. be able to do a pretty decent job, but it's not the same as like what we would say about ourselves. Absolutely. So that's a thing to uh, bear in mind. Regardless, Frank includes that line of the, the Spartans being like, oh, those Athenian boy lovers, we'll show them, we're way tougher. And, you know, people, including Alan Moore, like, you know, wrote a whole thing being like, Frank, read a book. And yeah. his, uh, and his, Could his, you not, Frank? Rather quippy defense that I thought was pretty great was Frank Miller said, well, guys, you know, hypocrisy is a Greek word, right? Hey, ooh, what <laughs> so that's, a comeback. That's Snarky. sort of how I interpret that, that sequence yeah. is they're saying, when you do it, it's bad. When we do it, it's cool and heroic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. We'll go with that, I guess. <laughs> oh, Frank. Yeah. Done it old. again. <laughs> yeah. Um but so yeah, you know, so it's it's a fascinating comic. And again, and mm-hmm. I think it's something that works very well as a comic book, like because oh, yeah. it is such a visual story. Oh, totally. Yeah. I won't say I I guess um again with the idea of mythology and how this is presenting things in a very specific light there's this running theme in the comic of the idea that like the persians kind of represent the old way the way of tyranny and mysticism yeah and that is pretty much just not true yeah (laughs) i know i was like really okay (laughs) and like again not not that the guys who literally called themselves you know we are the kings of kings we are the yeah. rulers you know like the if you look at the the titles of like a persian emperor it was things like mm-hmm. master of the universe and stuff like yeah. so Epic not names. <laughs> not a guy who is necessarily thinking about common people with every political decision he made but Wait, at the same what? time <laughs> You know, the the Persian Empire was, in fact, not run by, you know, decadent barbarians and orcs, right? <laughs> Which is more present <laughs> in the film, but, like, like it, it oh, was, yeah, we'll get it into was that. A, a complex, uh, you know, political society, right? And mm-hmm. from a modern perspective, a lot of us would not necessarily see a huge difference between the Greeks and the Persians. Like, I think that the comic does correctly make this this uh, observation that like Greek identity was kind of in its infancy. And there are all these things that now influence not just quote unquote Western culture, but global culture that were being developed there. Like these, these Mm -hmm. philosophical traditions, these political traditions. And then if Greece had actually been stomped out by the expanding Persian empire, 
the world might look very different. It would look very different. <laughs> you know, like I would not necessarily go so far as the destiny of the world hinged <laughs> on, on like, Leonidas is back. Yeah, right. <laughs> like I, I would not necessarily go so far as that, but I would say that a hundred percent, the destiny of Greece absolutely would did. have been and totally yeah. And that's kind of why the the Battle of Thermopylae is so lionized and so remembered is that it was the Spartan society was, you know, pretty well known for actually being pretty aloof, I guess is the mm -hmm. term I would use. Like they had very hostile relations, especially with Athens, with some mm -hmm. of the other states, they were more neutral and like actually could be kind of diplomats and peacemakers. But regardless, right. like the Greek states were not one thing. Right. Versus they were the all Persian. their own little clan. Yeah, they were all, yeah. you know, it was, a, it was everybody, like, they, they shared a broad culture and religion and certain traditions, but they were not, you know, they were not one country in the way that we would think of modern nation states. Mm -hmm. um, and the fact that, like, a bunch of them were willing to die, not just for Sparta's independence, but for, for Athens' Greece. independence. Yeah. Even, you know, right? Yeah. Like, that's why it's a big moment. And I think Frank Miller does try to give you little nods that even though it's being framed this way, you should be somewhat skeptical because there is that great moment in the comic where um, the, uh, you know, Leonidas has found out that they're about to get surrounded. And oh, one of yeah. the other Spartans leaps forward and says, you know, we are with you, my lord. And I speak for all of us when we I say we are with you. And Leonidas just says, leave democracy to the Athenians. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, so like, badass. You're like, ooh, okay. Well, so <laughs> badass. And then also like, oh, wait, no, he doesn't like democracy. Like he, yeah, he we don't like that here. tyrant. Right, know? right. Um, We're a malicious state, yeah, essentially. Yeah, right. Like of a, of a yeah. you know, a society of fanatical eugenic super warriors like uh yeah in in other stories they're not they would not be the good guys you know? right like, right just in this particular light they are yeah, yeah and this it's good to have on your side you know like i think that's and i think that actually kind of sums them up in this story and in in the mythology of this story is like mm -hmm. the spartans are somebody you want on your side in a fight but you would not necessarily actually want to be or to hang out with. You know? Right, right. They have a means to an end, and it is not as a buddy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, so that's that's sort of where I'm at with the uh, with the comic book, but yeah. Yeah. No, just stellar points, Dan, as always. <laughs> I have, I'm like trying to think, like, I don't have anything as profound to say. <laughs> oh, come on. I did think it was interesting, though, with um, Leonidas' character, um, how like you're commenting that he you know kind of makes a snippet about how democracy like leave that at the door we're not talking democracy today yeah. and he also has like quite a bit of angst towards um traditionalism especially when he has to go to visit um the, the what's our, the, what's the yeah the f wars yeah, the, and then has the, to go and see the oracle right yeah, yeah yeah so that whole thing is you know they even chastise him about you know you've already kind of said poo-poo on our traditions and it has cost us so can we not for a second like they've called him out and he's like i would rather you listen to reason mm. than go talk to a child about what the <laughs> gods say so it was very it's very interesting how they he he seems to have rational like 
reason for his people and for Greece, but then he like is constantly poking fun or kind of making demeaning comments about everybody else. Yeah. It's a very interesting di- like dynamic, but yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I think it's one of those, and I mean, I guess there's, there's that whole thing of like, well, he would, he would rather Athens keeps existing than Sparta be under the boot of yep. the, and of the Persians. And that's actually yep. something Xerxes tries to seduce him quite literally. Right. With, you yeah. know, Ooh, when he's saucy. Like, you know, <laughs> when Xerxes is, Xerxes is uh, giving him a little shoulder rub and being like, Ha-cha-cha. make Athens bow to you. <laughs> you know or as and, the infamous words make it great again yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> uh, yeah but um yeah so it's so it's one of those things that's like uh particularly with the the mysticism thing i'm a little critical of as far as i think that the comic takes this very interesting attitude of the idea that like reason is being born in greece Mm-hmm. And that it is being this this shift is happening from arbitrary tyrants ruling things from weird yeah. mystics, you know, basically mm-hmm. just crazy people making all the decisions. And I think that's not accurate to what we know of the of the I think this would be called the classical period, but the, not yeah. accurate to what we know of the the era and the cultures involved, because something a lot of us as modern people often have a great deal of struggle with is understanding like how real the non-material world was to people right. in the past right and that and part of that just had to do with like they literally did not have access to a lot of information that we do now oh yeah you they know, had to explain like, it in other ways, and this was how they were able to explain it, like un, like natural phenomenons they couldn't explain. Right. It's why so, yeah, every exactly. every pantheon has a god of thunder. You know? Right. right. Something like, made it. Because yeah. It's, because that would, like, think about, you know, how actually terrifying that would be if you didn't right. have, you know, the explanation for it. And then that get that bleeds into sort of the fate of cultures and things like that. Yep. Like, how yep. often, you know, people would... People didn't necessarily have access to like statistics and metallurgy to explain, you know, oh, a, a unit of Greek hoplites can take on a unit of Persian warriors because they have, you know, better equipment. And under the conditions they were in, you would, could actually expect them to perform very to well. To do like, much better. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, you don't have that like video game, you know, style <laughs> breakdown. Right. Yeah. 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 And so it's, it's a, it would make sense from that worldview to be like, Oh well, the the Persians didn't honor you know Mazda right? Like they didn't yeah. they did not perform the right sacrifices, and so yep. God turned His back on them, and yeah. they lost. You know? Yeah, totally. And and I feel like there's a lot to be said about like maybe they they do have the know how of saying oh yeah well they've obviously they outnumber us they have better equipment they have the yeah. high ground because it's their land like they have all of this probably for, through war strategy but just think of like getting the people to align with rationalizing going to war yes. or rationalizing why the their people, their husbands, their children died. Mm-hmm. And so it's like you kind of knit this around the culture to just give it more gravitas, I feel like. It, it just makes it like it has a little bit more purpose and they died for nothing or they died because somebody made a bad choice in in battle. Like right. that kind of st- – that's kind of what I see is like it, it adds – 
more kind of flavor and context, but also helps people kind of rationalize certain things in a different way. And it, it, it's just kind of buy-in Absolutely. to culture, essentially. Yeah, and yeah, it's you know, fascinating. As, as I said earlier, like you know, I, military history is one of those things like I'm I'm uh, very interested in, mm-hmm. and something I've you know read about pretty frequently is like how often, if you actually put yourself you know kind of in the shoes of these different people, people who these different generals and stuff like that, like the Romans at Cannae and stuff like that, you know, mm-hmm. they suffer these unbelievably horrible defeats. And yet, mm-hmm. if you're seeing it from their perspective, they actually did everything right. You know, right. Like, like with the right. information they had at the time. Exactly. This was the right yeah. call. And it turned out there was something they didn't know or some, right. you know, piece of misfortune. Like, uh, mm-hmm. gosh, I, I can't remember. It might have been the American Civil War Battle of Gettysburg. No, not Gettysburg. I can't remember which one it was. But okay. very famously, there was a battle in our Civil War where... It basically only happened because these uh, rebel troops were told to, like, hold this particular, you know, bridge over the river. And when you get the signal, advance. And the Mm -hmm. orders didn't say what the signal was. No, for God's sake. So they, like, heard some cannons going off and they were like, oh, that must be the signal. Is that the signal? Is that? We don't know. It turned into this, like weird oh my horrible God, no. you know oh this this huge disaster lack um, of communication okay communication that is very great. important <laughs> weirdly enough yeah but, yes, but so, <laughs> so like you have all these yeah. insane you know chaos theory type uh factors that go into these mm-hmm. events and if you're a person living in 480 bc it's like mm-hmm. oh well athena was pissed at us you know we yeah. didn't we didn't do the right sacrifices or even in 300, you know, as far as I'm aware, this is a historical event, is the Persian army got fucked up by a storm. By Poseidon, yeah. Yeah, and it's cause, because yeah. Poseidon's on our side, you know, yep. we did the right yep. thing, we got Poseidon the backing. helped us. And uh-huh. it's like, they don't have the technology to predict when a horrible storm is going to, frankly, we exactly. don't have the technology. Well, we kind of do, but yes. But a much more, you know, like it's it's much more accurate. Yeah, more more accurate. Like it's not, you know, we're not we're not kind of rolling the dice as much, but that we can still wind up in these very unpredictable situations. Absolutely, but yeah, absolutely. I I love I. That's like one of my favorite things about mythos and like folklore. In and which is why I like got into anthropology is because all of this kind of knitting Mm -hmm. of pantheons and gods and explanations for things like you think of like all like disease they didn't have medicine in the way that we have medicine today so how do you explain when someone dies of some mysterious illness it's not that there's you know germ theory wasn't a thing (laughs) so they have to explain away that somebody goes angry and punished this person because otherwise what what do you use to explain that with like you have nothing to explain it because they don't have the toolkit or the vocabulary or know-how of what that actually is like that it just doesn't exist right and it's it's like fascinating and how the hell do you go through your life yeah like like how do you go through your life if people can get struck by lightning you You just constantly pray to the gods and hope to god you don't get smote Exactly. Or smoten, smiten. Smited, smoted. (laughs) Smoted. (laughs) Yeah, which is, I mean, we think about that today and that's kind of like a wacky way to live or like that's just nuts that people live that way. But I mean, it it was, it's nuts now because we have a very different lens of what 
life is like and what things are and explanations for like science and technology and like it's a very very different lens so it it always makes me think a little bit of you know i I received shakespearean training and uh, (laughs) one of the things my professors always try to like drill into our heads when you're when you're performing shakespeare is you'll have these different characters talking about like oh perhaps my soul is cursed to hell and they'd Mm -hmm. always say like remember Hell is a hundred percent a real place for your character. Oh, you <laughs> bet! Like you, and obviously, <laughs> it exists. <laughs> and obviously, you know, for a lot of people in, in the world today, that's true. But like for a lot of other people, it's like hell is more of this abstract. You know, when I say, right. "Oh, I hope that," you know, I hear about some terrible person, and I say, right. "Oh, I hope he rots in hell." I'm Purgatory not... was a real <laughs> yeah, place, right. y'all. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm, I'm not actually sitting there being like. I think this person will spiritually go to a realm of fire and be tortured by demons. I'm saying, mm-hmm. ooh, what a terrible person. May they be remembered badly, you know? Yeah. Um, and that for someone in Leonidas's time, it's like, no, God's real. Like, the gods are real. <laughs> like, this oh, is yeah. not a... This is not a debate. This is not a right. This just is. This is not a. This is not a matter of personal contemplation and like kind of metaphysics and thinking about you know what really is the nature of the universe. You know, like yeah, we're not quite at that philosophical like, stage yeah. yet. <laughs> for, for most people, I, I'm sure most, there were some yeah. people who were just like, this seems like hokum. <laughs> you know? I mean, I'm sure people would question because, you know, it's like, what happens if you do all the right things, you pray to all the right gods, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing and shit still happens. Yeah. Like that's, and that's kind of like today's, like that's my personal issue yeah. with religion is like, okay, you say like, you know, your God is all like omnipotent and, like everything happens for a reason. I'm like, that just doesn't <laughs> right. fly well, with me personally, but whatever. Right. Yeah. So very interesting. It's like, what happens if your beliefs start to really kind of break apart where it's like, okay, well, I did all the right things. I did all of what I've been told and expected to do. And it still didn't matter. You know, there, I'm sure there were plenty of people who would question that. <laughs> right. And I think that that does kind of to, to re, you know, to focus it on the story. Like, I think it does, build into the idea of someone like Xerxes calling himself Mm -hmm. God King, you know, and that it's like, and I like the, I like the way he's portrayed, obviously. Oh, it's so bad. Ludicrous in terms of what the actual Xerxes would have looked like. You mean he didn't look like he was like a Ken doll painted in gold? (laughs) (laughs) I'm so surprised. An eight foot tall, you know, with obscene amount of piercings, piercings all over. Um, But I'm shocked, (laughs) you know, but I, but I like the way he's portrayed in the story as far as like, he truly is this, exaggerated figure he's so beyond like literally physically beyond mm-hmm. everyone who's around him and i think there's a yeah. lot uh, there's a lot going on in this story with um mm-hmm. you know people's physical appearances um but like the whole idea that like you could as a bronze age person look at this guy with the amount of authority he has and like the and just his physical appearance and be like absolutely maybe he is god you know, yeah. Like, yeah. And a totally. lot of, uh, you know, a lot of cultures across the world were like that. You know, like this, yep. that is not a. In fact, I'm not even sure if the Persians actually called themselves god kings. Maybe they did, but like a lot of cult, you know, the pharaohs, right? Uh, right. A lot of Mesoamerican cultures, you know, like mm-hmm. you, you had this, and even you know, even in like Renaissance Europe. 
you were not right. God you think king, of like the monarchies. But, yeah, you were not. You God were d- king, you were divinely but you were by picked. God's right. Yeah, like, yeah. That's like the British Empire. It's like you were divinely picked by God to rule over your people. I mean, a lot of the mar- monarchies were like that, and that, they were handpicked. <laughs> uh, right, and and like Roman Empire, obviously much later than our period, but like yeah. in the Roman Empire, you know, I remember reading a book about uh, the Western Empire's fall and like how. This author actually went into a whole thing about how the the emperor, when he dies, is a god, right? Like he he gets mm. deified. When mm-hmm. he is alive, he is like two steps from a god, and how that actually put like hmm. this severe physical taxation upon the people who were the emperors because they literally, when they were in public, right, you were supposed to move like Be a divine godlike. Being. So yeah. like you could not oh, turn, you know, like that. like they there's a description of how like you know this particular emperor was like riding in a riding in a chariot through the streets and at some triumph or something like that, and how he kept his head perfectly level the whole time oh, God. over the That'd course be exhausting. of like three hours. Oh know, my right? God, no! Yeah, that sounds like exhausting. Yeah, you know, you can't sneeze, you can't scratch your butt, like. Yeah. <laughs> Right, because you're divine. Because you're divine. Yeah. Gods don't get itchy butts. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? How come we have to suffer and I, they don't get itchy butts? I don't Why know. It's, it's a very unfair system. I <laughs> They've feel got like, butts, don't they? <laughs> I feel like we shouldn't have god kings anymore. I'm just kind of... <laughs> I'm with Leonidas on this one. I agree. If they don't have itchy butts, then we shouldn't have itchy butts. That's my that's my take on that. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. Ooh, I didn't even think of that. That's a really good point. I mean, and that, that is kind of like present today in our, you know, people of higher power who mm. political power mostly, um, especially like, you know, a lot of the, the monarchies today, like the British Empire, they yeah. have um, – you know, it's it's more of a figurehead at this point, but there still is this huge stigma around like you have to be above everybody else. You cannot step out of line. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's still present. It's just like a different <laughs> style now. But yeah, yeah it's. Ew. And again, not yeah. eight foot tall guys covered in gold. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, I feel like we're missing an opportunity here. If everybody was, I mean, if everybody looked like that, I would be paying a lot more attention. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Xerxes is a very interesting dude mm. in Frank Miller's head. Yeah. Well, and, <laughs> and apparently and I... he did, this might be something more for the addendum, but apparently he actually mm. did a sequel series that's from Xerxes' perspective. Did he really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, uh, Ooh. I think like 2018. I haven't tracked it down yet. But, oh, um, like really more recent. Wow. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, I feel like it's a bit of an apology is basically, like, <laughs> you know. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, well, it's one of those things where it's like, I, Frank Miller is a complicated man. He has a very That's controversial re- reputation. That's a very um, nice way of putting it. But, uh, <laughs> you know, and, it, and I think my impression of him is that he's not someone who's incapable of thinking in nuance. Um, mm-hmm. It's just that, like, when he writes a story, he really loves, like, fully throwing himself into these very specific yeah. vibes, including their more, you know, limited and narrow aspects. And mm-hmm. so, like, later on, he went back and was like, well, let's do a Xerxes story. You know, let's do a story about the King of Kings, why mm-hmm. he, you know, seeing the, ext- like, 
300 is about extremity, right? Like the Spartans right. are about the most extreme characters you can think of. Right. And then yeah. pulling back and doing an equally fantastical story about Xerxes and how... Like, From the other side. Yeah, yeah. How, this is how he sees himself and how he sees himself as... The oh, inheritor I'm have to go find the, this. Yeah, it's it might be worth checking out. I I haven't. Yeah, um, yeah. I I didn't know that existed. That would be very interesting to see from the other side of things. Mm-hmm. But I I read somewhere that Frank Miller, when he was younger, he saw a yeah. film that was called like the Three Hundred Spartans. Spartans. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and that was like the main like inspiration that he's had for his entire life, which is kind of what brought him to make. The graphic novel, which I thought was like kind of like the little boy dream coming to fruition, which I thought was pretty great. Right. And it's, and yeah, that it's not, it's not the story of Thermopylae. It's the story of how Frank Miller felt as like an eight year old seeing about you know, watching Spartans about, like, like kick ass. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It's like eight levels removed, you know. And mm-hmm. I think that's very interesting. Yeah. And that kind of tracks to be honest with like with the way that he represented them in his novel versus obviously historical documentation it's very different but we're looking at it as a lens of kind of like a love letter to his childhood yes so it's a very different perspective and there's some notes in there that obviously happened in in actual historical documentation but it's it's a very like filtered version from his kind of childhood memories i feel Mm. which i I thought that was kind of fun yeah yeah to to know that it makes a lot more sense (laughs) (laughs) yeah because it is extremely romanticized. Oh yeah, and, and totally. Yeah, over the so top. that yeah. totally checks. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Totally check, checks out. But yeah. Oh Frank Miller, <laughs> dear old Frankie, <laughs> dear Frank. Well, do you have any final thoughts about the book, or should we just about the comic? Um, no, I don't think so. I think everything I've got to say is is going to be in contrast. So yep, you know, agreed. Yeah. Okay. Well, we can then, I guess we can just jump into the adaptation Let's and we can get it. cracking on that. Okadok. Yes. Yeah, so I'll read a quick synopsis of the movie and then we will get into it. All right. Sounds good. All right. And I did not write this because I'm not awesome <laughs> like you. So I just Googled it. You're awesome mm-hmm. in your own way. Oh, my God, bless you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So in 480 BC, a state of war exists between Persia, led by King Xerxes, played by Rodrigo Santoro, and Greece. At the Battle of Thermopylae, Leonidas, played by Gerard Butler, king of the Greek city-state of Sparta, leads his badly outnumbered warriors against the massive Persian army. Though certain death awaits the Spartans, their sacrifice inspires all of Greece to unite against their common enemy. (laughs) (laughs) so there's that (laughs) which i mean is checked i mean that does does encapsulate what happens but i feel like they really focus more on the whole like and it unites everybody's like that's the very end of the movie right and i was okay (laughs) yeah i was gonna say that's actually kind of but okay (laughs) almost an afterthought in the movie but um Right. That has nothing to do with the actual film, but that's fine. We'll carry on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, the film. Yeah. Well. What do we think? Is it the first big Zack Snyder movie? Did he have something? Uh, or he did one of the zombie movies. He did Dawn of the He did Dawn of the Dead. Okay. And then this came after that, and then he really started to pick up speed, so I think. So, this was the first Zack Snyder movie I ever saw. 
And it this is might have been my first two. It is a yeah. very Zack Snyder movie. Oh <laughs> my god. We talked about this in Watchmen. Yeah, like, that it has that. He has a very, very specific flavor yes. to his work. And that Yes, he does. That <laughs> level of like very extreme visuals, you know, everything. He loves that speed up, slow down, speed up, slow down oh, style of Yes, classic. And every yes. uh, you know, like he loves framing his actors in these really specific ways. Like there's, yeah. you know, bits where where characters are sort of leaping through the air, and you're seeing them I perfectly know. framed. God, I remember it's just beautiful. I think the yeah. first thing that really stood out to me on my most recent watch of this movie is there's the scene when the Persian emissary is coming oh, to Sparta, yeah. and I was kind of laughing. Like I think he looks great, but I was kind of laughing. But it's like the most extreme way to ride a horse in the oh, world. Oh, it's so it's all like, slow-mo he, yeah, and, and he's e- got, like, epic. His cloak and... is flaring and he's kind of snarling and the horse is snarling and the horse <laughs> rears up and he's got a bunch of skulls and one you know, it's like it's all yeah. just the most <laughs> intense, dramatic thing you can possibly it's so do. Dramatic. Which is perfect for this ludicrous story about, you know. Like, yeah. Yeah, it is like the perfect flavor. I just, oh my God. So I read that Zack Snyder apparently scanned the entirety of the graphic novel into a system, removed all of the text, and then used that and put small animations in there to basically bring as an example of like, this is what I want to make as a film to his- Yes. And then they used it for all of their like boarding and everything. So it's like the reason it looks so good is because they literally were going off of the book instead of drawing up their own representations of it. That makes perfect. From the book. Right. Oh my God. It was so good. I remember that's what I heard about. (laughs) That's what I heard about Watchmen too. It's like they technically, they had a script, but he just had a copy of the comic book on the set. Yeah. Like, all right. So you're lying here. Yeah. Yeah. And the same thing applies to this, this one. Like there are verbatim scenes Mm -hmm. from the graphic novel that they just slapped into real time and it's awesome they did rearrange a little bit of the timing from the graphic novel but i mean overall it is almost verbatim yeah i would i would say like like, the biggest difference is it's expanded yes like it's it's Uh, quite a bit yeah um and we'll talk about that in the comparison i think because there are a few things that definitely did not happen in the graphic novel that they kind of embellished on in the film yeah um but man, was, is it beautiful! Remind, mm. I don't, I don't remember. Was this during one of the three D film experiments? Because I, I, I remember there's there's remember. a lot of points where people get stabbed with spears and the spear comes right at the camera. Yeah, there's like a, that epic uh, whip scene right, where yeah, it's going, like the yeah, yeah. he did, yeah and, he, and Michael Fassbender chops his arm off like and the whip Which, is like in your face. Yeah, I had completely forgotten that Michael Fassbender. Right, was in this, movie. <laughs> like, this I, was his first blockbuster wow, film. I can, I you know. know. No Isn't wonder he wild? wound up having a big career after this one. He's great. I know. So, okay, I, I went n- totally nerdy and, like, did a lot of, like, looking into just weird trivia facts about this film. So they mm-hmm. had thought that they were hoping that they would make $74 million out of this film. And it made over $200 million. Wow. <laughs> so I'm like, bananas. <laughs> I, you know, I have to say, like, I saw this movie when it came out, right? So as a teenager and, like... Before I saw this movie, I had never really watched this type, I would say, of like pure yeah. 
spectacle energy film in the theater. Right. And usually when I go to watch a movie, like afterwards, I'm kind of like, oh, you know, that was pretty good. And I need like a day or two to process it and think about it before I want to talk about it. And I remember right. watching this movie with my buddies, uh, with Spencer, who I believe has been <gasps> on this show a few Spencer! times. Spencer! Yes, he um, sure has. Some other friends. And I remember we watched this movie. And after it was over, I wanted to, like, run around the block, you know. And I was oh, going, I know. Pumped. 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 In a yeah. And, you know, like... <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So I think it still, it definitely has that, like, very high octane, you know. Oh sensibility so to it yep i would say again like it is comic book in it is a comic book movie without the way that term sometimes gets used as an insult like in in terms of yeah it being truly a visual you know visually a very direct film that really frames yeah. everything in this really extreme way like i think that's all really great yeah yeah and then a uh, really fun cast uh, yes. What a Lena Everyone Hades. was delicious. Lena Hetty. Yeah. For those who don't know, that's Cersei Lannister in Game of Thrones. Where, uh, yeah, she's the wife of Leonidas. Right. Yeah. She's um, uh, Queen Gorgo. Oh, right. They call her Gorgo. Yeah. yeah. Um, which they never call her by name in the film, but she's credited. Oh, as okay. That okay, name, which yeah. I thought was interesting. They never say her name. Interesting. Um, but yes, that is her. She is badass yeah, in that. No, she's. Um, Spicy, fiery lady of the Spartan <laughs> clan, and I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, so she's she's really great. Like, really, really excellent cast, really excellent visual design. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I think something I noticed in particular that ties back into one of my complaints about the story is uh -oh. the, uh, <laughs> I did notice that all the other Greeks who aren't Spartans, they cast shorter actors. So when yeah, you see so they look the, gigantic. Yeah, like when you see the Arcadians <laughs> standing next to the Spartans, all the Spartans are like really huge, and all the uh, the other yeah. dudes are like a little, little. And I'm sure they're guys of More entirely stout. average height. You know? Oh but, yeah, like, they just made it really over yeah, the top. Um, yeah, and it's funny because those yep, guys are also in excellent shape, wearing little leather speedos. Like, yeah, you know? but, seriously uh, though. So again, like. All the men that are featured in the 300 Spartans, yeah, all of them had to go through really, really vigorous, right? Pretty like, brutal stuff. Really right? vigorous yeah. pr training, um, and I, I read a little bit into it, and I can't remember the name of the trainer, but it was like they basically did. They never did the same exercises more than two days in a row, so that their bodies would not acclimate oh. to building muscle. So they built it um, an obscene amount of muscle in like six months or something ridiculous. Wow. And Gerard Butler said that to this day, that's the hardest thing he's ever had to do. And fun fact, because of injuries he sustained while doing those trainings, he got addicted to painkillers for a while. Oh, damn. <laughs> and I was like that is commitment yeah, well like, jesus and i think that's i would say like i think that's that's something that's become more of a conversation over the last few years yeah. is like you know we we often talk about you know how, how there's these ludicrous women's beauty standards which obviously there absolutely are um but that mm -hmm. then we also have these like films where actors will do these ridiculously really, unrealistic you know? masculine and, and yeah the, the personal cost to people like jared butler as far as like you know where it's like yeah and then result of that is he's hooked on painkillers for a while yeah he, and he yeah. looks fantastic you know like 
I oh don't, my god, they're ripped. Like I don't <laughs> I don't know what he would say, but as far as like I wouldn't I would be reluctant to use the term worth it, but I would say yeah. like the work shows. Like these are oh my god, these yeah. are exaggerated characters and all the actors like you know, are it's perfect. it's not the dudes you would see at a supermarket, right? Like, not exactly. Yeah. <laughs> unless it was the supermarket across the street from like the local, you know, powerlifters gym or whatever. Right. 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 Gym but, Atlas. Yeah. Uh yeah, seriously though. But it was it's so crazy because I know that when this first came out, there was this huge rumor going around that they CG'd all of the pecs. Oh. And they're like, oh yeah, they blew they blew all their budget on making them look insanely ripped. And actually that is not true. They really did train and really did look like that. They might have kind of glossed them up a little bit well, with think, like yeah. post production, but that's them. Well, right. Like, and which I, is bananas to me. Yeah, oh that's <laughs> like, a that's all a very silly yeah. Well, and you know, this is the other thing, is like I was watching it and thinking you know obviously these guys look extremely impressive um but mm-hmm. like chris emsworth's bigger than them you know right massively like, bigger like like yes. that's the, you know and not absolutely a, like as much as i admire his commitment to playing the mighty thor like I know. uh you know that's not it's something not good I would, for your body <laughs> well it's not something i would expect you know of certainly not of an average person and then not, no. not of most actors <laughs> you know like i would not yeah like i'd it's intense. Yeah. Um, but all that said, yeah, they look great. You know, they they God, really they look, look like yummy. these ludicrous superhero type. Oh, my God. You know. Every single one of them was like, oh, hello. <laughs> and then, like, there's – so it's crazy because, like, apparently Leonidas, the like, the actual Leonidas was supposed to be 60 by that point. Oh, and, I didn't know that. And they had – yeah, and then Gerard Butler was playing him and was, like, in his 30s. Right. So I'm like, well, that was unrealistic, but okay. <laughs> and then there's like an older gentleman who's I can't remember his name. He's like the the second in command, and then he has his son in the yeah, group. Yeah, and his son yeah, gets yeah, the killed. captain. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, the captain. So like he he looks a little bit older. He's got a little bit of gray, and every single one of them are just like ripped, <laughs> and it's nuts. And yeah. I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm very distracted. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone looked well, amazing. It's, it's supposed to be, and it's. It's like how the Greeks depict things in their in their paintings and statues, you know. Like yeah. It's not necessarily, and obviously, like the the historical Spartans would have been people in incredible shape because they. Oh yeah, I mean, all they yeah. did was prepare for war. Yeah, yeah. Which, so they would uh, be extremely fit. <laughs> yeah. So it's so that's you know that's a, a nice touch of the film, and then I like the Persians. I I think the I think I think the, it's great. I think the costume department went crazy. <sighs> It was gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. You know, the foot soldiers are like sort of, kind of, a little bit, probably what warriors of that era from that region would have looked like. Yeah, and then yeah, you embellished, have yeah. The immortals who are Ninja Turtle villains. And then <laughs> you have, you know, dudes throwing bombs and these barbarians wearing like goat head helmets and yes the, the it's visually rhino. stunning <laughs> oh yeah there's a rhino and the elephants yeah, there's and elephants, elephants too like, yeah you know they uh they make this very deliberate decision to make the the persian like court kind of look like a freak show you know where you have these like yeah. people who are kind of orc like and deformed and have you know there's Okay, can we talk about that, that for a second? The yeah. executioner guy who's got the like the, the, yeah, the cleavers like, for hands. Can hands. we talk about this yeah, for a second? What, <laughs> yeah. what? Okay, I have questions, Zack Snyder. What? <laughs> Which, not to get into the comparison too much yet, but 
that's not in the comic, and I was shocked when I learned that. All. Like I thought none of that was. If there was yeah. any and I'm like, idea, but it fit. You know, Frank Miller is exactly the guy who'd be like, "There's a dude, dude. with swords for hands, and his only Hear me job out. is to cut people's heads off." Hear me out. Please, the emperor. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. Like he did a lot of embellishment like that, and then there's like that weird, crazy, like golem orc guy who looked like he was stitched back together. Yeah, and the, fights uh, Leonidas the, like, at one point. Immortal. Who's like in chains? Yeah, yeah, yeah whatever the hell that was. Big. He's all chained up yeah. and they take some of his chains off and then he breaks the other ones. I know. <laughs> like, like there's some really great imagery that was definitely not in the graphic novel, yeah. but I was like, you know what? You could have fooled me. It fit perfectly right. with well, the and, aesthetic. And that's the trick with you're adapting a a ninety page comic into yeah. like two hours ish hour. Yeah, hour. standard length. Like, so they like, gotta zhuzh a little bit. Yeah. But uh, yeah, really, yep. just pure, pure visual spectacle. Absolutely, and really, really going hard on all aspects of that, which I think is very cool. Mm-hmm. And you know, like, oh, I'm trying to think if there's any other like big, you know, kind of moments. I guess something that really stood out to me on my most Ooh. recent watching. Let's hear it. I think it's a love story. It totally is. <laughs> like, like I think There's it's... no focus on that in the book, and I actually kind of like it yeah. that it's in the film like that. No, like like that was like that was something that really struck me. It's like at the end, uh-huh. when Leonidas is about to die, he's thinking about his Calls wife. His you know? <laughs> like... Thinking about his beautiful lady back and home. Look, it would be if I was married to Lena Hetty, like I would I would Dream. have a hard time not thinking about her, regardless <laughs> of the circumstances. Uh yeah, cause she good looking lady. Uh, yeah. Stabbing a Persian in the chest and just being like, I wonder where she's up to right now. <laughs> <laughs> What's she doing today? <laughs> um But she good looking lady. Uh yeah. Yeah, it totally did focus a lot more on her dynamic and also equal footing. Yes. Like it didn't like women already kind of have a lot more voice in Spartan culture. They kind of hint to it's like women give birth to real men in Sparta, you know, so there's a lot different combo. That's one of those lines that I actually I actually kind of like is it's I love that line. It's this repeated theme in the in the movies, like when the Persians are threatening the Spartans, they're like, well, don't you know what's going to happen to your women if you, you if know. you don't know our women very well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Leonidas is just like, yeah. I should have marched them up here. <laughs> like, right, like, clearly you don't know our women. <laughs> and, right, and then I think that the queen, she actually has a line that is actually historically documented where she says, because only Spartan women give birth to real men. Mm. It was in a different context. She wasn't right. saying it to the emissary. She was saying it to another Spartan woman, I think. But that actually is documented of her saying that. So it's like there's some really yeah, well, great I, lines in there. I know that that's like a, you know, with with all we've said before about, you know, the complexity of figuring out the actual historical Spartans. But like I know that's mm-hmm. that's a thing that's sort of accounted for is that their culture could be quite misogynistic in some respects. And right. then in other respects was like more, I wouldn't use the term egalitarian, but like, I would say like they knew women were part of society and played yeah, a, a little very bit more forward thinking for the time. Yeah. And, and that in ways. often gets yeah. contrasted with like that the, you know, in Athens, like upper class women were supposed to sort of stay home, be pretty, please don't kill my children. You know, like, okay, thanks. Like that, was, that was pretty much <laughs> yeah. how they how they 
were kind of treated versus in Sparta. It was like a woman was expected to exercise. She was expected mm-hmm. to like know how, you know, how to fight and like all, all of these Look the part, things. be the part yeah. of Spartan culture. Yeah. Um, but then they still have like the kind of moments where she's supposed to visit parliament mm-hmm. or their, their, their council. And they're like, the woman shouldn't be here. Blah, blah, blah. So, yeah. I mean, they rabble, have their rabble, moments rabble. of it. Yeah. <laughs> rabble, rabble, rabble. So, yeah, there are definitely moments where it's like, we're the men and we know what's best. But then yeah. there are other comments that in, indicate that they do have more of a say in culture as women than others in that time you know which i thought was 2.5 thousand years ago baby steps we're making baby you steps. know what work with what you got yeah, yeah. i um, mean yeah yeah it's, i'm trying yeah. to think of like other things again you know really excellent cast um mm-hmm. excellent effects work you know so extreme in every oh, uh respect so good um, so good I, I have two things that i wanted to talk about but i'll let you finish oh, your uh, well i was gonna say as as we have we have complimented these lovely actors on the amount of effort oh, they put yes. into their physique yum and yum, i remember yum. at the time chatting with a friend and he said you know it was kind of like a military porno <laughs> it's like, like yes please there's a lot of <laughs> you know i remember at the time like people are saying you know even though they don't explicitly spell it out like there's a lot of sequences of muscular men gripping each other's arms and looking into each other's eyes and all that all that kind of stuff (laughs) um and you know i'm glad everybody enjoyed it (laughs) i am so glad it exists out there everyone should enjoy it for so many reasons it's, it's it's a lot of fun but yeah what what are your thoughts yeah so one of my favorite scenes in well okay I lied I have two favorite <laughs> scenes for for different reasons. So my favorite scene in comparison to the graphic novel that I think they did an amazing job with mm. was the wolf story. Oh yeah. So the visualization so they open the movie with the kind of trajectory of Leonidas as a baby to like his kind of childhood and becoming the king of Sparta and like the kind of initiation that goes into that which is rolled into the story where he has to fight a wolf in the wilderness by himself when he's like 7 or something. Right, yeah. Um or he's he's very seven, young. Or is it, he's the, the... In the book he's young but I think they age him up a little bit in the sh- in the movie. Right. But he's still he, does, he's he still, doesn't look he's an 7 but he's like yeah. 10 maybe 11. <laughs> um but look, yeah, still so too young to be fighting a wolf by himself. In like, a little baby <laughs> loincloth in the snow, yeah. okay? Yeah, and it's having nothing but a spear. So that that is just like so the the wolf that they they, de- they depict is all CG. Right. It's not a real wolf. But the way that they depicted it, it almost looked like a werewolf. It's like classic silhouette. Oh, I, was, I loved yeah, it. Yeah, I was going to say, it's it's a cool choice, especially to start the movie off with, that most mm-hmm. of us know what a wolf looks like. Right. And what we're seeing is very clearly not a wolf. But it is, it is very this, CG'd and very stylized. And yeah. Still, you know, it's not a wolf. It's a monster. And I feel like oh, that's, so badass. again, to get into this repeated theme of like, do not look at this as the story of what actually happened at Thermopylae. Look at this as Absolutely. the story of what happened <laughs> mm-hmm. at Thermopylae. Is and, this uh, like artwork and propaganda came together and had yeah, a baby? It's, it's propaganda like, from 2,000 uh, years ago. You know? Yeah, <laughs> like, es- essentially, it effective. makes them sound larger than life. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So like that whole scene is like the wolf is circling him and then he kind of goes into this crevice in the wall and then gets, you know, gets tight up against it and then, you know, 
kills the wolf because he skewers him with the spear right. because he, he can't it. reach it's him too, in time. It's too big to get through. Yeah, it's it. too yeah. narrow. But it's I think one of my favorite shots from that is when the wolf is is pinned and then he's about ready to stab him with the spear. And so the narrator is diliosisting, you know, he like his form is perfect. And right as he says perfect, he jabs the spear through the head of the wolf. And so you can see the like the there's for some reason there's like this dramatic lighting that wouldn't be there, but it looks <laughs> yeah. amazing where you can see the silhouette of the wolf's head and the spear going straight through it. And it is just killer yes. cool looking. It is stunning. Yeah. And it's really very similar to the actual art style in yeah. the, the graphic novel. Like they did an amazing job of rendering it. And it's just breathtakingly stunning i just ooh, it's so good <laughs> yeah oh yeah yeah mm. a visual that's piece. like my hands down one of my favorite scenes <laughs> for that um but then a scene that they definitely embellished on which i'm really glad they did and it's just like mm, yummy delicious i love it keep it going uh was the scene where he goes to see the oracle yes and so in the film, they they really blow out that scene a lot more, and it is oh my god, it's so beautiful. So obviously, the woman they pick to play the oracle is drop dead gorgeous mm, and yeah. very very yummy and very scantily clad. Hot <laughs> yeah, she's basically just um, got like a see through blanket. Over she's her working. Leg. She's working a very see through toga, <laughs> um, and leaves nothing to the imagination. Ha cha cha cha. But the way that they filmed that scene, so is she basically, they, they open up the opium or whatever yeah, gases right. she's tr- yeah. going to trip balls on, and she starts to go into a trance, but the way that they film it is, like, she's hovering and, like, moving in really crazy cool forms, and the way they actually filmed that is they filmed her underwater oh. and then superimposed her into the scene. So when you look at it, it looks beautifully fluid, and every like, her hair, I mean, it legit looks like she's underwater, but she's not in the film. Oh, that's but so But that's how they cool. got that effect. I know that. And it's... Oh my god, go back and watch that scene and you'll see it. But it's stunning. Yeah. It is such a cool scene. And they this not in the book at all, but they rendered it so beautifully. Oh, that's and that's I, very cool. Yeah, so and there's a there's a really smooth transition because when you first see her, she's lying on the ground and she's obviously like they filmed her lying on the ground in real time. And then once she goes into the trance, she does this like beautiful epic head flip thing, and then it's like the water-esque scene, and then they eventually flip back to her like going back on the ground, and then she's obviously not in water anymore. Mm. But it's like flawless. It's flawless. Yeah. <laughs> it's so so over the top and beautiful and it's like that is like epitome Zack Snyder you know like just mm, chef's kiss I have the weirdest Love feeling it. Zack Snyder's actually pretty good at making movies <laughs> I know people give him like a weird rap and I was like, but his movies are beautiful. Right. They're way wacky, but that's like the beauty of it. I think well, I, same thing with like all of the, um, the, all of the, uh, DC universe, like, right. Yeah. The, the Batman and league. Yeah. Like all the league stuff and everything. Like it's, it's way over the top, but that's the beauty of comic book world. Mm-hmm. It can be over the top and nobody bats an eye because that's the point. Right. <laughs> like It's so good. <laughs> But yeah, so that's like my big nerdy thing about that. But then I really wanted to talk about also the soundtrack because oh, we all know yeah, the... I'm a big sucker for soundtrack. <laughs> Tyler Bates. Oh my oh, god. What's, what's Tyler Bates yes. for? 
He has most recently done all of the John Wick films. Oh, okay. Yes, yes. He also did, I think he did Watchmen too, actually. Oh, okay. So he Um, He's done a lot. He's done a lot of Zack Snyder stuff, and he's done a lot of other works that, of course, now I'm spacing on. Um, But, oh my God, you guys. It's so, like... Again, like that, turner, turner, you know, when they like, it when, they, is when the so epic. push the Persians back for the first time, like this totally, yes. yeah, mm. like I, I would say yep. there is no restraint in any aspect of no. this movie. Like it's not, oh my God, it is not a movie where they're, they're not going for subtlety. <laughs> no, <laughs> far from it. And I love that. I love me some weird ass movies that are just beautifully budgeted and beautifully put together mm. and make very little sense in real life. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah, there are so many things about this film and the story really that are just like, well, that's not right. But do we care? <laughs> no. <laughs> want to get into a battle. <laughs> I know. Well, and like Tyler Bates has such an amazing contrast of like he he writes orchestral really mm-hmm. really well and then he superimposes like rock music on yes. top of it. Yes. And it it's amazing. And it it's amazing. Flows perfectly. Like it doesn't it does not feel jar like I remember, you know, as watching the film like it doesn't feel jarring when it shifts from an orchestral stru- score to you know, now we're hearing electric guitars. Actual electric, it's like, yeah, yeah, it's cause, amazing. Because we're in it, you know. <laughs> like, yep, we're really. It's a beautiful, beautiful marriage of the two. And he has, um, I can't remember the gal's name, but one of the vocalists that's featured throughout the film is an Iranian singer, oh. and it's just beautiful like very middle eastern vibes and a lot of the instrumentation with the more quiet parts and like at the very end when delios is bringing back the necklace to yeah that that is passed away like that's a beautiful (laughs) yeah exactly yeah so like that final end scene with that like she knows he's died and she gives the necklace to her son who's like now he's the king of sparta and like that whole thing that music is like he used traditional middle eastern instruments so there's like a duduk and a whole bunch of like string instruments and stuff that are in there it's like beautifully put together and it's all orchestral at that point at the like the very touching moments. But then the battle scenes have these like epic like da da yeah. da like it makes it makes me think of like Mad Max, the new Mad yeah, Max, yeah, where Fury it's the Road. dude with yeah, the yeah. electric <laughs> with the, the guy with the electric yeah, guitar the who's rider. like the jammer guy. <laughs> yes, who's oh my god. It's like that, but with orchestral music, yeah. and it's amazing. Mm. It's amazing, and I love it so much. <laughs> Oh, it's the. I th- did Tyler Bates? He might have also done Troy. Oh, that. I mean, I th- ooh, thematically similar Troy? films. <laughs> ooh, now I don't remember. Maybe he didn't do Troy, but I feel like mm, 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 I don't remember that. But um, yeah, absolute killer soundtrack, y'all. <laughs> it's so so good, and it's a beautiful blend, and I just could listen to it forever. <laughs> it's so. So good, and those are my like my hot my hot takes on that. All right. All right. Well, did we want to jump into the comparison? Let's now? do it. Yeah. Yes. All right. Well, where to start? Um, <laughs> There's quite a few things. Yeah. So I guess I my first point of comparison I would actually say is a character we haven't really mentioned at all, which is, and I'm gonna pronounce his name wrong because it's a Greek name. But 
Uh-huh. Efialtes? Efilertes? The uh, uh I think it's Efialtes. Efialtes? Think, yeah, yeah, but he's he's the hunchback. Yeah, right? yeah. He so he's the guy who is born with deformities, who's uh he's in both the comic and the film. Um and he's yeah. descended from Spartans, and the Spartans are of course horrible eugenicists who, Yay. who <laughs> literally kill infants by exposure if they have any sign of you know weakness or deformity or, or disability or anything like that those kids get left out to die and his parents took mercy As on you do. him and so he grows up and he's this guy with with very serious you know physical physical deformities in the comic mm-hmm. he's kind of drawn to almost look like He's like a flesh mountain. Like he has this, I know. like he's very lumpy. Yeah, um, <laughs> and you know, so he goes to he goes to Leonidas and says, you know, I can fight, I can fight. And Leonidas says, we well, you can't hold the shield high enough to be in the phalanx. And so the the interesting thing I would say is he's especially in the comic. I would say he's the most human character. Yeah, totally. And. I like him a little bit better in the comic. I think it's interesting because he tries to kill himself after. Yeah, uh, that's a big difference. Yeah, he does not do that in the right, film. Right, he mm-hmm. he flings himself off of a cliff, but he survives, and so yeah, which that would suck. Yeah, which, big bummer. And then he goes mm-hmm. crawling to Xerxes's camp and says, "You know, I wanna, I'll help you. Like you give me everything I've ever wanted, and I'll." I'll help you wipe out the Spartans. You and he him. shows them how to how to right. flank them. Because um, he knows about the secret uh, right, back the, road yeah, the, that's like a goat trail that they can right. they can uh, come from behind and sneak up on them. Yeah. yeah. Um, and what I think is sort of interesting is that so in the in the comic he attempts to kill himself. He he tries to take his own life and then he doesn't complete his suicide. So that's sort of what inspires him to go. Like that's what makes him truly despair. And then mm-hmm. versus can't even do that. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then um, there's a sequence in the, co- like I, th- something I thought was interesting in the comic is the way his interaction with uh, Xerxes is portrayed. It's like Xerxes is saying, you know, and you'll have women. Right. And the, the these sort of harem babes are, they're kind of drawn as silhouettes, like almost like they're coming out of the shadows. Like they're not really. It makes me think a lot of Sin City, actually. Yes. Which the, the imagery in the graphic yeah. novel is very reminiscent. Yeah. Um, which I th- yeah. I thought was kind of interesting is that the, the two ladies sort of look like they're not really there. Or at the very mm-hmm. least, like, you know, versus in, obviously in the film, you had actual actresses, you know, cavorting. I want to talk about the film <laughs> version of that in a second, yeah. but yes. Um, <laughs> oh, we'll talk about that. And then, uh, you know, so I thought that was very interesting. And then the other part is that in the comic, which is not present in the film, is in the comic, mm-hmm. Ephialtes is there when the Persians ambush and slaughter the thespians. And yeah. the thespians aren't mentioned at all in the film. And the way they're portrayed in the comic, as I've mentioned, is wrong. Um, but the whole yeah. thing is like, Ephialtes actually pleads with his, you know, his Persian allies to spare the thespians. And they yeah, don't. Yeah, it's like, they don't need to die. Like, they'll, they'll surrender. They don't need to die. And then they kill yeah, them they anyway. Ca- and and so he actually gets quite upset. Yeah, so it's one of yeah. those things where it's like, oh, it, it made me feel more sorry for him. Like, seeing that he's just a real messed up guy. And... 
maybe eugenics is bad. <laughs> Dan, how dare you voice that opinion? I, I just, I'm starting, to, I'm starting to wonder. I'm starting to wonder if the Spartans are ultimately the authors of their own defeat because they can't stand wow. the people not living up That's to some ballsy insane. statement, Dan. <laughs> I can't believe you would voice that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know. Bold. Too, I've gone woke. Bold. I've gone woke. I'm against Spartan <laughs> <Eugenesis>. <laughs> You've gone woke. Uh, oh no. I love it. Yeah, I love but, it. Yeah, yeah. So that was my first Good point. You know, kind of compare and contrast. <laughs> but yeah, what, what have you got going yeah. on? Oh, I wanted to talk about the scene where he goes to Xerxes and yeah. Xerxes is like, I'm a, I'm a kind god and I will give you all the things. <laughs> um, so... That scene is first off, it has this epic music mm. that oh, lovely Tyler Blaze like wrote, and it's on like some sort of Zephyr or something. But um, it starts with like the minstrel in the middle of the room that's like playing with the harem has a freaking goat head. Yes, it's like wild imagery. Which is- I like I it. thought was kind of, it's kind of <laughs> ambiguous as to like I'm I think it's supposed to be a headdress, but it doesn't look like it. <laughs> doesn't look like it's a, it is. It looks like a goat with like a, a goat human person. body. Um yeah. yep, it does. It's weirdly mystic and it's really hard to tell if it's a helmet or if it's just Which I think uh, is a visual person. thing they do with all of Xerxes. Like like the Abs- deeper you yes. get into Xerxes' court. Which I think yep. goes into the the mysticism thing of like Absolutely, which I love. Reality and fantasy becomes more and more blurred. Very blurred. Um, Yeah, yeah. It's man, the imagery's wild, and so like that is like how it starts, and then you see all these like very scandalously clad women in a harem, and then you also see like there's a fully like fully amputee person, no arms, no legs, who is like in the middle of the harem, and you can't tell like. Are they a client? Yeah, Are they one of the like? What's happening here? Like he, maybe they're just it's there. Just Xerxes' and, buddy. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no. I don't know, but it's like you start seeing a lot of people with like facial deformities or amputees and like people who are don't look like you're kind of run of the mill yeah quote unquote standard and so this kind of like gives this image where it doesn't matter what you look like Xerxes will you know invite you in and give you whatever you want so it was a very like. Oh, uh, well, I'd, I'd even speculate, like, that's sort of, they're kind of like the foil to him, as far as, like, mm-hmm. Xerxes is this gigantic, beautiful, perfect physical specimen, you know, covered yeah. in gold. And so, of Ooh, course, yeah. he loves having people with these, you know, physical differences, these deformities and, and disabilities. Makes him look real good. Yeah, and <laughs> and I don't necessarily think he's disingenuous as far as, like, you know, I I remember um, watching an interview with the fellow who was uh, one of the performers in. I'm not a fan of the series, so I never actually watched it. But uh, America, mm. there was American Horror Show. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm, whatever it's mm-hmm. called, American Horror Story. Yep. Um, but there's yeah. there's a season that's set in a carnival with a freak show. <sighs> and yes, there is the guy <laughs> who he has a specific condition where he functionally doesn't have arms like he has hands but yeah um and there was a really interesting interview with him where he was talking about you know living with his condition and how like you know challenges he faced but also how he never really felt that insecure about himself because his, he had a really good relationship with his mother and his mother always taught him you know he's worthy so this is a positive version of that story yeah but one of the things he said was he said like 
I don't actually take issue with people wanting to look at me. Like, I think I look interesting. Mm. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, and, yeah. I mean, yeah. And so like the, the sort of more positive spin on that might be like that Xerxes genuinely does like having these people around because they look interesting. You know? Yeah, they're not your standard. Um, yeah, and maybe I mean that that would be really nice to think that, or he's he just like a, kind of to- tokenisming it. Well, and he is a <laughs> expansionist slave master empire builder tyrant. So that's the, and I think it can be both. Like I think he can genuinely, like when I think when he's talking to Ephialtes, like I think he is being sincere when he says like, "They were cruel to you. I will be kind to you." You know. Mm-hmm. But it's not necessarily him like advocating for disability rights. It's him just being like, I love having another yeah. weird little guy in my court. Yeah, you're just part of my collection. Yeah, it's it is interesting because it is very much an enticement too for people who would usually be looked down upon in society because of these deformities or something. And he's like, I actually want you to join me, and I'll give you status. Right. So it can definitely be a good perk to sell the conversion right <laughs> essentially yeah but yeah very very weird scene it was very very frank miller i'm surprised that wasn't <laughs> I in know, the I comic the to be way. honest yeah like there's so many <laughs> because things. it was on and point I know he was I know he was involved in the production so yeah. i'm sure he was just like to- put yeah, a guy was- with sword hands and, you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's that's a treat um but i did really want to talk about xerxes yeah in comparison to the two, um, the actor who plays Xerxes is Rodrigo Santoro. Right. And that man, if you haven't seen him, what he looks like outside of being Xerxes, he is a beautiful man with this like beautiful hair. Okay. Um, oh my God. He's is he gorgeous. like a model or what is he? You know, he might have been. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. He's stunning. So I don't know if you've seen the movie Love Actually. Have you seen that? No. Okay. Well, for those who have seen Love Actually, he is um, a character in that movie where he's like he's um, he's Spanish descent and he basically is like one of the the guys in the office that one of the main characters is like absolutely in love with and hasn't said anything. Uh. So it's like he looks nothing like this, which is why it took me years to realize that was the same. Oh actor. yeah, I just I just looked it up and the the difference. Yes, between, isn't he beautiful? Well, and especially just like him with hair and like wearing normal yeah, clothes and not like, painted oh, in gold handsome... and covered in piercings. Yeah. Oh, he's so good looking. Oh my god, terrifying yeah. decadent demigod. You know? Yeah, and I feel like in the graphic novel they didn't really focus so much on like the height discrepancy just like obviously he's larger than life he has like this ridiculous entourage that brings him into the scene at the very first time we see him and he's on this crazy big like pedestal thing and it's being covered like uh, being carried by hundreds of people yes so it's like way over the top but then in the film i feel like they put a lot more attention on the height difference between him and Leonidas. Like, we're talking, like, almost, it looks like two feet of difference. <laughs> right. Like, it's huge. Right. Like, the physical <laughs> contrast is definitely present in the comic, but it's not emphasized the not same Not quite way. that much. Like, it's not that same. And I think part of that has to do with it being in motion, where it's like, no, we are literally seeing that, like, Xerxes really is supposed, you know, I don't know. He towers over Leonidas. Right. He's supposed to be something like eight feet tall. If he, if he was a real person, yeah. you know, he would be. Yeah, like, it's insane. It does not look real. And I'm like, how does Gerard Butler look like a child next was, to this dude? He is one of those marvelous, and I, I'm always fascinated with this as a kind of dichotomy. It's like, 
Xerxes is a big, strong guy, but he's not a fighter, which I think is really Right, he cool. looks very like, effeminate yeah, in comparison. Yeah, he chills out. Yeah. He's beautiful. He just <laughs> has other people do his stuff for him because he's a god. He can't get dirtied with yeah, that. Yeah, no. But the, the voice that they did for Rodrigo Santoro... They lowered his voice an entire octave digitally. So his voice is just so ridiculous. Like, it sounds so low, but it doesn't sound so unrealistic that you're like, what is this? It really was his voice, but they just, like, completely dropped it it in an octave. So it's, like, creamy and crazy. (laughs) It reminded me a lot of if you have ever seen this old movie, Stargate, or there was a TV show. Yeah! He reminded me a lot of the alien in Stargate where he Oh my god, totally. Like this, you know? <laughs> like yeah, absolutely it does. And apparently uh Rodrigo Santoro said when he was like kind of embodying Xerxes, he thought of Yul Brenner from uh the King. Uh, <laughs> that sounds that sounds right. And I was like, that is amazing. I, I, I love Brenner that would be so a good, much. Good cast for Xerxes. <laughs> well he's bald too, so it works. Uh <laughs> bald power. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Oh, my God. But, yeah, I think I liked the representation of Xerxes better in the film. Yeah. Just because it really, like, expanded a lot more and gave so much more life to that character, even though the comic did a good job. Well, I feel like in the pres- in the comic, I feel like his presence is very abbreviated. It is very brief, yeah. And in the film, like, I really did feel like there was this character and this relationship, even though I have no idea what his actual screen time is. But, like... Oh, it's like minutes. Yeah, but it's, <laughs> it's not that much time. A, he has such a striking impact. Oh, it's stunning. And uh, yeah, you know, like the way he relates to Ephialtes and the way he relates to mm-hmm. Leonidas. Like it's, it's this very distinct dynamic, which is really cool. Yeah, I think they did a good job with that. Yeah. Do you want to talk about uh, Queen Gorgo? Yes. <laughs> let's she, she's our lovely lena hetty basically doesn't exist in the well, no okay she is she's in the comic okay. <laughs> she is in the comic for, for like, like two a seconds page. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah she's there at the beginning when the guest comes and then she's there when she says come back w- yeah, or with, come with back your on your shield on it. um on it and then they you never see her yeah again. <laughs> and then in the, in the film yeah. she is more of a person (laughs) i am very curious to get your thoughts so with with her character in the film what what did you think of those additions so on the one hand i liked that she had a lot to do like i liked that we were seeing that kind of if i understood it correctly like she's kind of trying to rally the rest of sparta because leonidas has basically he sort of lawyered his way out of the religious prohibition against going to war by being like, well, I'll just take my right. personal bodyguard. I'm just yeah, going, I'm for, going a stroll. for a stroll. Which is very <laughs> With 300 like, of my best men. Yeah, that is very, that is very close to like how a lot of, you know, Greek countings of things goes. They would say, well, but mm-hmm. he figured out that such and such. Um, and so like that aspect, I think works very well. And I think Lena, Lena Hedy is, she got a huge she got an even bigger career out of this movie like she was really great oh yeah um not a great show but uh terminator the sarah connor chronicles oh yeah she was in that yeah she's also Mm -hmm. really a lot of fun in dread um Mm, the carl urban judge dread movie she plays the bad guy of course obviously that's right cersei lannister it's the biggest one (laughs) uh, 
fucking legend right there, you know. Oh my um, god. I just rewatched Game of Thrones oh, recently really? and man alive. Yes. I don't know why, because I got to like the last <laughs> season. I was like, like Oh yeah, now I remember why I forgot this forever. <laughs> <laughs> but she's still fun. <laughs> um, oh, she's amazing. She's just madness in that, but yeah. But yeah, so so she's really great. I'm gonna put it up front, not crazy about the fact that her plotline has to involve her getting raped, like I know. <sighs> I quite agree. I I just don't I don't necessarily think that like I don't know, I don't necessarily think that scene was like utterly tasteless or something like that, but like I do I do wish that her story was not defined find by that because it doesn't i know the situation she finds herself in it feels like the to me it felt like the movie wants to draw an equivalence between what she's facing and the guys at thermopylae and i feel like they're just yeah. different situations uh yeah <laughs> like, completely different you know. <laughs> there's nothing alike but that's fine yeah, no. and like uh dear old uh, dominic west who plays the the slime ball uh, he does a great yeah. job like he's, he does slime balls so he's well good. he gives good slime ball you know like he's good he really does he is a great baddie but uh yeah like i just didn't i don't know it, and it's one of those things where like you know he, he kind of lures her into this place and then assaults her and then afterwards she goes to yeah. the senate and you know he tries to accuse her of trying to seduce him and then she just fucking stabs yeah. him and which is oh, cool that is pretty but badass kinda, like, though because there's just, that whole like line item I yeah i feel like a, this in this fantasy world you know like i feel like this span for this uh spartan fantasy warrior woman would have done that right away <laughs> like i feel like she would right you know he would have right. tried to to do all that awful stuff to her and then she would have gotten a sword and got him open you know? gutted him yeah well that's the thing is like they use the whole rationale of her needing to gain the trust and the support of the council and in order to do that dominant west's character has like the the most sway in the council so she has to entice him to be on her side and so she says i just i need your support and he's like well you know what i want and then she's like okay i guess i'll give you what you want and it's like okay like i just didn't really understand why that was necessary it it felt very unspartan ish you know like it was very submissive and i was like that's not her character you've made it very clear that's not her character throughout the entire film up until this point yeah so i wasn't I was not a fan of that. Like, I like that character. I like the general journey she goes on. I like Same. that, you know, I like the idea of showing that this genuinely is a partnership between her and Leonidas. Yeah. Agreed. I don't think she would have gotten, or or I don't, I don't like that this has to be her story is, is getting, you know, sexually. You violated. and me both, kid. <laughs> yeah i feel like this has been coming up a lot in my more recent episodes but this comes up with a lot of my other guests where i just don't really like the storyline of like in order for someone like a woman to progress in their storyline they have to be sexually assaulted to basically like grow from that you know what i mean like i feel like it's not quite to the extent of this particular thing because she was already pretty strong to begin with but it's just like it's a very male lens. Yeah, and I and I'm not cra- like I'm not 
I'm not against exploring very dark subject matter. I'm not ag- oh, yeah. against, no. you know, exploring these. That's not what this is. But yeah, yeah. like it, it's just, it's disappointing in terms of like, I don't know. I just, I just, I think there were other ways. I don't think the story benefits from it. And I think, no, not at all. And I think it particularly doesn't benefit from it because it is trying to contrast her being in this very compromised, vulnerable position versus the Spartans at Thermopylae and like the Spartans at Thermopylae, even though they're in a really horrible position too, as far as they're all going to die. But like, they are, they are the authors of their own fate in a way that she isn't. Yes. Dan, I could kiss you. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I am so glad you brought this up because that is my least favorite thing about this film. I was like, here we go again. Yet another woman who has to get abused physically, mentally, sexually by the system to then climb up on top. Like, honestly, I feel like if I was like going to do a rewrite, I don't know exactly what I would do, but I think that the actual, the, the true source of like sorrow and endurance for her from my perspective is her sending her husband off to die, right? Like she knows that this is part Mm -hmm. of it. Oh, she knows. And she is also raising a little boy who will also have to make this choice at some point and like having to reflect Mm -hmm. on the fact that she loves like that in the society she is in, men are asked to be. This is the way. Yeah. It's it's very Mandalorian yeah. actually. But like this is yeah. the way. Yeah. Um, but that, like, Absolutely in it the is. Society they're raised in, it's like women give birth to warriors and men become warriors and die. And and both of them mm-hmm. have to endure that. And that's actually not a happy thing yeah. on either you know, it might be a necessary thing, but it's not a happy thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just feel like Especially with the way that it ends up, like, when they get to the council and she g- comes forward and has, like, this really epic speech. Fun fact, that was the first day of filming for her was oh, that council Oh, hell scene. yeah. <laughs> That's how she started her first day. Starting like, That's strong. Anyway. Yeah, I digress. But when they have that scene and she goes through her epic speech and she's like asking for the council to really step up and be there for her. And then Dominic West, in true jerk face <laughs> fashion, does the slow clap and then starts like, yeah. like starts to talk nice. about how. However. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> however. Yeah. Totally. So then he like does this whole like, was it not you that tried to seduce me to get me on the side of your like efforts? Had I been a lesser man, I might have actually given in. And it's like, so he rapes her and then denies it and says that he didn't. So it's like, he would have denied it anyway, I feel. So like, why yeah. like why not have him like try and her be like, fuck off no and then he uses that against her later but it's like no they had to put that in and it's right, like okay like i dominic west's mm. character's plan doesn't make any sense <laughs> like, like, no know, like no and i don't know if they were like trying to like extra drill home that he's not a good guy mm. but it's like they've already up until that point they've shown that He's working with Xerxes' men because they bribe the efforts, yeah. and he's there. Right, right. And then he's he shows a lot of snarkiness to Leonidas in the beginning. He's really creepy all throughout the film. So it's like it's already very present. He's not a good guy, and he is not in the favor of Leonidas. Right. Like it's clear. So it's like, why do you need this extra layer 
to explain, oh, in case yeah, you didn't case know, he's a really bad guy. Also a sex criminal. Yeah. <laughs> not only, also a sex not criminal. Only a As, to his yeah, because that makes him a really <laughs> bad guy. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't really care for that. And it was very male lens. That's all I'll say about yeah, that. Very, very two yeah. steps forward, one step back, as far as, you know, right. like. I know. All right, so we're giving Queen Gorgo it's more to do, but then we're getting kind of stupid with, or at least in my opinion, un, very un. Not not building the story, not not helpful nope. to the rest of the it, story. It, it, it added yeah. nothing. It just added discomfort in, in all the yeah, wrong not... ways. Because like I'm all about movies being uncomfortable. I love it and I hate <laughs> it. But this was this was not yeah. an ad by any means. Yeah, and then I don't know. <sighs> there are any other big big contrasts between the source material and Um, let's think. Um there are. There's I don't know. I think that the um well, I guess this kind of also rolls into Lena Headey's kind of storyline mm. as the queen where the ending of the film where they actually show um Dilios come home. Yes. And get, like and, a, and gives the like necklace. Said, it's a love story. Mm-hmm. You know, like it really I know, is. that is a beautiful scene. I really do love that. And I thought that was a nice touch to humanize the Spartans a little more. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I think that is that is something that they like very much reference and kind of explore is the idea that like there's a lot in their culture that has to be left unsaid because mm-hmm. they're all so fanatically yeah. devoted to this idea of like what a true exactly. warrior is, you know. Yeah, don't show weakness. Yeah, like yeah. um, which is I believe not present. Yeah, not present in the comic is the the captain, um, Leonidas's right hand mm-hmm. man. When he loses his son, there's that scene later on where he's having kind of a breakdown. That is a crazy says, scene. So they do actually reference that oh, in the okay. book. Yeah, but they don't actually reference like we don't know that character. They just say, and a father has lost his son and has this crazy like loses his shit moment, but that they gloss over it completely. But that. They really flesh okay. that out, and he, oh my god, the the sound that he makes in the film is just right. And then, like after, because you know, oh. in the aftermath where he says, "I never told him he was my favorite" or something like that. I know, know. Like, then, I know. You know, yeah. So that, so I thought that was that was a nice aspect of like thinking about what the personal mm-hmm. cost is to these people beyond literally their lives. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, that they're human. Yeah, as, yeah. That as much as as much as they might like drill themselves to be, you know, these merciless super warriors, there is still they still fuck, they still love their children and their spouses and yeah. you know, all that stuff. Yeah. Um Well there's I mean and there's again, there's a lot of beautiful imagery in the film that really backs that up. Like when they're showing Leonidas when he's a child and he has to be taken away for his training. Right. They show his mother who is really upset and is being restrained by other Spartans as her son's being dragged away and he even turns around and tries to go to his mother because they're seven. So it's like there's a lot of tension there. Right. And it's one of those things where it's like, maybe this isn't good. Like, you, know, you think? Like, maybe. You want to indoctrinate <laughs> seven-year-olds to murder themselves? What? Yeah. Why not, Dan? Which is, I mean, and that is something I will praise about, you know, this, this story catches a lot of flack and, and not all of it is unjustified. But like, one, oh, of, yeah. the, one of the things I would say is like, I, I think if you're paying attention... I don't think this story is endorsing its portrayal of the Spartans. Like, I don't think you're supposed I don't to think walk so. out of this being like, wouldn't life be great 
if all the men Man, were the Spartans really had their shit know, together. Trained to be superhuman <laughs> warriors and the women only thought of themselves as baby factories and supports for the superhuman warriors. Like, oh, the good old know, days. Um, and then there's also like once Leonidas is older and like in present their present day 480 when this when the um ambassador comes from Xerxes yes or the messenger comes yeah. they they actually zoom into this really cute scene where he's practicing with his, fights yeah, with, his, with kid, his son he's fucking with him a little bit and, and that's like... actually really cute like and so they do a little bit more character building outside of just being spartans right. which i do, i do really appreciate that they gave it a little bit more texture right yeah i, um, and I remember I, he's, yeah, he sort of wrestles really with like his, that. you know and his kid like makes an attack and he like sweeps his leg and then says yeah like, listen son if you're goof up like that you know or he says something you're like, dead skis yeah he <laughs> yeah. says something about like you know, te- this is a teachable moment <laughs> you know you can't do that and our whole thing is strength and honor and bravery and right crap, you know um and it's like this yeah it's like a very cute little kind of connection bonding moment with his son and then like his wife is looking on and like oh they're so cute he's she's he's teaching our child to be a moiterer <laughs> isn't it precious um so yeah there's some moments in there that I was like oh that's actually kind of sweet and there is a little bit of like that's their form of affection is preparing their sons to be warriors mm-hmm. and so this like father son moment but yeah it's it, there's a, a lot more layering going on in the film which just kind of fleshed it out further which I I did enjoy yeah. that but yeah it's it's beautiful I think overall really that one line with Lena Headey was really like fly in the ointment kind of for me but Everything else is pretty yeah. freaking solid. Yeah. Well, I guess um, if we're going into sort of closing thoughts. Yeah, sure. If you want. You know, a, a last thing that I think kind of incorporates both the film and the comic book. I think the story very deliberately portrays the Spartans as a deeply flawed bunch. Oh, yeah. Which totally. I think is a good thing. They are not perfect. I think something <laughs> I have to think about, I have to bring up is that they were some of the most brutal slaveholders in human history. Oh, and, dude. Which is really weird when they kept saying, like, we're all free men here. I'm like, except for the well, slaves. Well, and that, that, is, <laughs> that is very Greek. Like, that is very much how they saw the world. Oh, yeah. Like, that, is, that is what... You bet. You know, I've read some of the, the works and stuff, and, and, like, that is literally how they would, uh, you know, talk. Oh, yeah. Us. Like, they would say, you Persians cannot beat us because you send an army of slaves, and we are free men. Free men who own slaves. Except for, for the record. Yeah, except for the slaves that we own. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. That, <laughs> on the one hand, like, because it is the fantasy legend, I can't give the story too much flack. But the reason the Spartans, like, were famous for being the most fanatically, you know, trained warriors in the world is because they were also mm-hmm. the biggest slaveholders. And they had like Yay. huge populations <laughs> of the helots who I know there is some debate about like exact precise terminology to describe the relationship between the Spartans and the helots. Regardless, it was mm-hmm. not a, a helot didn't get a vote. A helot did not. Nope. You know, they were a lesser like they human. Did, they did not get, yeah. they did not get these, they, they had no protections that would be expected of someone who's just like a commoner, you know, a, a a commoner in medieval England had rights that a Spartan helot did not. And the Spartans were kind of infamous for how brutal they were to their underclass. And it is one of those things where it's like, that is part of their story as a people. And Mm -hmm. it is a disservice to not 
I, or I guess I would say it is a disservice to the in the pop culture, like in, in the popular conception of the Spartans, to erase to that. not think about the fact, like it is not that a little it, bit of whitewashing. Yeah, like it's it's not <laughs> something where every single story about a culture has to involve its worst aspects at the same time as right. like, no, truly, like Leonidas would have thought about how him departing mm -hmm. with his troops would affect whether or not they could keep the helots down. And there were helots present yep. at Thermopylae. Like, helots died at Thermopylae. Yeah. You know, so... Right. Well, they didn't really have a choice. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> not a lot of <laughs> options there, but it uh, it kind of doesn't let us do this cool last stand against, you know, the forces of tyranny and mysticism. This is true. If we mentioned that our heroes uh, have... A bunch of serious you know, slave owners. People there. Oopsie. Terribly <laughs> mistreated. Almost like what we do with our history and all of our founding fathers and all those amazing people. We're like, oh, yeah, we, we're just not talking about that part. <laughs> the more things change. <laughs> we just know. won't talk about that. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Yeah, so it, I, uh, I mean, absolutely. Yep, this yep. is a glass houses situation. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. But yeah, so it is yeah. one of those things that like I think about with 300 you know sort of in final thoughts that like i like the comic a lot i like the movie a lot oh yeah i do have to say it is it is an interesting irony that in this story that is very deliberate about referencing how the stories we tell about ourselves and about others are not necessarily 100 percent true that it has then come to define how pop culture imagines, you know, right? what the Spartans were, right? Which is I kind know. of intended, I guess, you know, like... I mean, it legit is propaganda. Yeah. I mean, it's it, propaganda for it a really society is. that like, doesn't it... exist anymore, but, you know... I know, which is wild. I know. And I, and I feel like this movie really did get a lot of flack when it first came out, even though it did really well in the box office. It, it did get a lot of flack because... I feel like comic book movies were not really popular at this they time. They were still in there like, because this was 2006. Like, like this 2006. Yeah, okay. So this is early. Right. I think um, this was like just pre or just post Dark Knight. So it was before. Ooh. I feel like. Oh, maybe. I feel like Dark was, Knight was, was Dark Knight like. I feel like Dark Knight. I think it was after yeah. this. Yeah. So it was just before this point at which it's like. The critics could not keep denying that, like, yeah, you actually can make a really cool movie about a guy who dresses yeah. up like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because there, there were so many early, like, you look at, like, early Batman in, like, the 90s um, that had, like, Tim Burton's flair on it. And then you look at, um, you know, I was, funnily enough, I was just watching, like, Blade the yeah. other day, so that's, like, 99. <laughs> like, so, like, you look at, like, early comic book renditions, and they're so hokey, but I'm like, to be fair... Graphic novels and comic books are hokey, and that's what makes them yeah. so great. No, it's an um, exaggerated. But you world. look at those early, yeah. yeah, it's very exaggerated, and it just—I don't think that the 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 clientele first, like, I feel like nerds were not loud enough at that it time. Was, it was pretty <laughs> chic. It was a closet. It was not, yeah, it had not exactly. Quite hit that big, you know, apex. Absolutely. Like now, yeah. There's guys on the cover of uh, fitness magazines who are like very open about playing D and D. Yes, and so I think I feel like the like the, the really big transition into like oh my god, get on the comic book bandwagon was Iron yeah. Man, and I think Iron Man was like what 2010, 11. That sounds right. Yeah, Maybe I think it's is that right? Yeah, like so a couple years to, later, to but this is 10, something yeah, like that. something yeah. like that. But this is like so early on. 
And I feel like Zack Snyder, like this really was, I think, his kind of main foot in the door to become the director that he is now. But I just think it was such an underappreciated film when it came out, even though, I mean, I mean, somebody liked it. A lot of people spent a lot of yeah. money on it. But like I talked to a lot of people like in our friend group and I say, oh, my God, I love 300. And it's a really like cut and dry. Either they loved it or they're like, that is the <laughs> stupidest movie I've ever seen. Well, And, I <laughs> and there's no in between. You know, I, can't, I can't knock anybody for disliking it, even though I like it, because it's like it is a style choice that is not for everybody. You know, uh, I yeah, so totally. I've mentioned before, like several of my friends um, went into the military, like right after this movie came out. Almost all of them hate it because they were hanging out with like really because because so many guys they were like training with and stuff like that were like we're basically the Spartans, right? <laughs> you know, we're oh, okay, we're see that tough and yeah, cool, uh-huh. and they're just like this is so dumb. This is like, this is dumb. You know? Which is really funny to me because the like Spartans and their their kind of military strategy prowess is still talked about and used oh, yeah, yeah, actively they, in the military yeah, today. Yeah, they still like right. That's the famous it's thing. It's huge. Like, cadets still study the Battle of Thermopylae. Yeah, it is a huge inspiration still. Yeah, well, and they and you know, and that's a whole thing about like how the Spartans, their legend has kind of echoed throughout history and like different oh, different groups. For both good and ill, you know, have yeah. have kind of adopted their imagery or adopted their versions of their beliefs. Like there's a whole claim that much of what we know about Sparta was actually written down and modified to appeal to a Roman audience. You know, so it, oh, you bet, I can yeah. Totally so like see a that. lot of it has to do more with like how Romans fantasized about what a perfect society would be as opposed to... I mean, I don't doubt that. Because, like, what's what's the... I'm, this is where I, my obvious unknowledge un- of history comes into play. Um, what's So 480 is the Spartans. Yes. What's the, the time gap between them and the Romans? Okay, so I can't answer that, but... <laughs> Julie, but where my, are you? <laughs> my understanding is, like, the Romans really start kicking off about 200 years later. There are obviously okay. there are people living in Italy. They may have. Oh yeah, there's plenty of other stuff going yeah, on. They then. may have gotten <laughs> yeah. independent. I don't think they've gotten independence from the uh, the Tuscan kings who were ruling them yet. But I don't know, so oh, I can't. Okay. I can't answer that. Yeah. But why don't you know, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> you know everything. Why don't you know this? <laughs> you're oh, you're failing me, I'm man. Failing. I'm failing. <laughs> All right, I'll give you this one pass, but if you do it again, you know, I, I, next next piece of Greco-Roman history, I have to be right on it. <laughs> Brush up, man. Uh, ask me what the word hoplite means. Ooh, what does that mean? It means tool user or one who is equipped. Um, it is the it is the term for the Greek warriors. They were called hoplites, and sometimes I don't speak Greek, so I can't tell you this precisely. Why not, Dan? But, uh, <laughs> uh, a lot of people say hoplos. Or what I've read is hoplos refers to their shield, but it mm. could also just mean tool. So a warrior oh, okay. was one who their has weapons shields. or one who has tools or one who is shielded. Interesting. A okay, lot of so, Greek okay. words You've are redeemed yourself. Like <laughs> yes. You've redeemed yourself. Thank you for that lovely little tidbit. There you go. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, any final, final, final thoughts? Mm. Are we good? Did we do it? Uh... No, I mean, I think I think the movie and book have a controversial reputation that's well-deserved. 
but I also think they're really fun and ridiculous. And oh, it's so ridiculous! Probably, I love it so much. A little deeper than they might look at at first, but not necessarily as insanely dense as some of the other things we've covered. It is still Absolutely. ultimately about a bunch of guys in leather speedos fighting to the death against a massive enemy army. <laughs> Yep, bros being bros. Just um, bros being oh, bros, yeah. I will say actually one final final comparison that I thought was just hysterically weird, and I loved it. And this is again a very Frank Miller choice. Yeah. All of the Spartans in the graphic novel, no speedos. Yes, we were we were flapping <laughs> in the breeze. There were so many peni everywhere, and that is very they. I don't know what that was about. Like that seems very unsafe to go into battle with no pants on. But you know, I guess they whatever. just wanted to let people know what they were dealing with. <laughs> yeah, they were freeballing it, freeballing it, and of, it was uh, interesting choices. <laughs> I, I have definitely noted that a lot of like comic book artists, particularly in the nineties, was a big thing. They just they were down with male full frontal, and I'm not here to tell them they're wrong. <laughs> i mean like, you do what you want like, i i mean man, it's just like the context that... didn't make sense but okay it, it shows up <laughs> a lot in um <clears throat> classical history though like in, in vase paintings and stuff like that like they oh yeah like greco yeah, art and yeah, stuff yeah and, uh, at least a According to some legends, the Celts, so up in like France oh, and yeah. Ireland and Britain and, and uh-huh. to a certain extent the Germans too. They would um, be completely head to toe would, covered in war paint and nothing yeah, else. <laughs> Scary as shit. And so there's <laughs> there's some theories that there might have been, like it was basically, if you couldn't afford armor, right? Like if you couldn't, because they did have like things like chain mail and stuff like that. Oh yeah. Um, but if you couldn't afford it, aside from just being a crazy motherfucker, um, part of it was that there may have been a safety aspect that if you were not wearing clothes, it was easier to clean your wounds was the theory. Oh, I can see that. that. If you if you were wearing like your tunic and you got a cut, it was possible for cloth fibers to get, to get into the wound and then it yeah. would be harder to extract them and easier to get infected. So that's yeah, like a that. theory but I also suspect that a lot of my ancestors were just crazy people. <laughs> uh you and me both kid them celts them druids were a little wackadoo and they got a reputation for it it's amazing if you don't know much about uh celtic uh kind of old school celtic war tactics you should take a look mm. it's pretty bananas and i love it um yeah well, yeah right. so with that, so was that that's that's my final thought <laughs> A lot, of, a lot of naked guys, a lot of battles, <laughs> yeah. all the, you know, all so cool many stuff. delicious abs <laughs> and beautiful women who were naked. Um, oh man, you guys, it was great. Very extreme film. Very. Go and, watch it. And it's great. That's the story of the three hundred. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. All right. We did it. So before uh, we sign off, Mr. Dan, what are you doing? Highlight some things. uh, I know you've been a busy bee. So what's up? What are you doing? Yeah. So I have to be, again, a little coy um, (gasps) because I'm working on a a big project and some contracts are signed, but I don't want to talk about um, anything until it's actually (laughs) out. Signed an NDA. But... uh, (laughs) Uh, I am working in a more interactive medium <gasps> than I have in yes. the past. 
And so I have something hopefully coming in 2025. And I will just say, if you've ever had fantasies of leaping tall buildings in a single bound, uh, just watch this space. (laughs) there's, There's something coming up there. Um, awesome Ooh, what a great teaser stay tuned folks 2025 mark your calendars <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> as far as like what i'm reading and watching and stuff oh um, yeah i am actually currently reading a book about musashi by Eiji yoshikawa it's the sort of fictional story of the legendary japanese swordsman miyamoto musashi and uh, a friend of mine i think very accurately described it as the japanese huck finn because oh it's, it's the story of Musa. It's a fictional story of Musashi's life, but it's kind of just a survey of Japan at kind of the end of the 16th century. And Ooh. so it's just about how this guy like is kind of wandering around, slowly learning to be a swordsman, bumping into all these different weird characters who sort of mm. embody different aspects of the culture. Um, obviously, I'm reading an English translation, but it's quite good. Um, oh good and yeah it's it's a fun it's a fun book so yeah that's that's in my record. very cool um nice i don't know what's going on with you erin i am let's see do i want to do a show or do i want a book (laughs) um oh i'll highlight a show i think actually so I'm rewatching it for the umpteenth time. It's amazing. I highly recommend it. Um, I can't remember if I've if I already suggested this on a previous episode, but I'm going to do it again if I have already. Mm-hmm. It's called Midnight Mass. Oh, I've heard this? of that one. <laughs> Y'all, it's on Netflix. Um, go watch it. Okay. <laughs> Dan, I'm dead serious. Okay. Like it is a very it's like very spooky vibe, a little bit of a like a cerebral thriller, okay. also very Stephen King vibes. It's pretty great. Um very like very reminiscent of like kind of like Salem's Lot kind of vibes. Mm. Um highly recommend. Um I don't want to tell you anything about it because I went in blind and I'm so glad I did okay. because it blew me out of the water. Um but it's like I'll I'll do like very very over top but it's like a man who is from a very small island off the coast of Maine, I believe. Oh has some kind of traumatic things happen in his life he has to go to prison and then he gets released and goes back home and has to kind of deal with what he had done to go into jail and then weird stuff starts happening on the island when he comes back oh my god it's (laughs) so good i yes it is all sorts of intrigue and it is amazing and like um did you ever see or hear about the um haunting of bly manor or haunting i've of heard House? of that one yeah, yeah, yeah same director okay okay yeah so like those the haunting shows on netflix he based those off of short stories and this one midnight mass is an original by him hmm. and this has like been like a passion project that he's worked on for like 20 years all right. and he finally was able to get it to production oh, okay I might, I might have to oh, check that one out hot damn it's so good <laughs> highly recommend if you like yourself some spoopy shows all right cool, cool. yes <laughs> all right well we did it yeah. all right well thank you so much for joining me yet again dan this was a lovely oh, lovely chat we switched it up from our alan moore <laughs> we I've read one other author, maybe two. Only one. <laughs> <laughs> this is the only exception. <laughs> 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me. And thank you to our listeners for sticking it out. And we will see you next time. All right. Uh, bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>